basically everyone is watching the weather mm-hmm. to see how it will impact the Queen's Jubilee celebrations and in particular the air show. Right. Because if we don't have good weather, we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're gonna... uh, fingers crossed, I guess, saying a little prayer. Mm. It doesn't look good for Friday. I know. They should move it to Monday. The weather looks better Monday. So I think we will have a decision by late morning today. Okay. On when it's when it's going to be moved to. That's what inside sources are saying. Gotcha. All right. So we will certainly keep everyone abreast of that. Please stay tuned to all forms of media. I'm sure everybody will be telling you all about it. Stay tuned to CMR. We're talking about. Sure. I know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chief Officer Eric Bush has been moved into a new ministry. Okay. Head of planning. So he is now going to be the Chief Officer um, under J.E. Banks which includes planning, agriculture, housing, and infrastructure mm. starting June the 7th. So Good for him. next week. There you go. Yeah. Coming up soon. Week from today. Wow. So it's, it's interesting because of course the question would be why. And I don't answer. know. <laughs> and what is the answer? And the answer is, there seems to be something amiss with personalities is what is alleged to be going on. Uh, personalities of his current minister and him just probably just don't mesh. And it happens. It has happened before. Yeah. And so they're doing a little shifaroo around. <laughs> so good luck. Hopefully the new the new arrangement works out better. Just a little shuffle. Shifaroo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the police have identified Kenyan national, yeah. uh, Mr. Anwar Ali, as the uh, 41-year-old who passed away in the fatal accident last week. It's absolutely sad. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, his friends have started a GoFundMe page to help with funeral and other expenses to help his family out. So please check it out. We've got it up on our page. You can click on the link and make a donation. Um, Yeah, really sad situation. Everybody says he was a great guy. He actually worked at the Ritz as a... um, loss prevention officer for many many years oh really yeah he was leaving work that morning has the um has the other guy been charged yet with anything no. else um in fact he's at work posting photos on social media of him being out on a boat because he works in water sports so for wow. him life seems to go on which is crazy i mean i don't know how i can live with myself i know it's it's um but, you know, sources have said that the government uh, is contemplating some legislative changes to make it a lot less um, appetizing for you to take someone's life and not really face any real consequences. Oh, but shouldn't he be charged with uh, with something? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure eventually he will be. But even after that, Blake, if you've ever watched how these cases play out, you're looking at a couple months in jail, if that. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, to be honest. Um, so I'm driving while really, intoxicated and, and, and then kill uh, killing somebody, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So, um, uh, come on, I think that they're looking at stiffer penalties and also dropping the um, the over the limit uh, number. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like called causing bodily harm while driving intoxicated, or I don't know if the charge is. It's actually um, murder. 
causing death by dangerous yes. driving normally. Yeah. Yes, yes. He's that's still it. only looking at a couple months. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, it really mm -hmm. is. Um, right. A man was arrested in the early morning hours. Uh, this is a 25-year-old man from West Bay. He was arrested in Shedden Road. Remember that printer way we were talking about yesterday? Yeah. So mm -hmm. We finally confirmed it. <laughs> so this was um, an incident where he uh, brandished a firearm and discharged it multiple times in the air before taking off in the direction of North Sound Road. So the authorities were able to uh, locate him on Miss Daisy Lane in West Bay. All right. Well, that's good. Interesting. Yes, indeed. So another one arrested on suspicion of uh, possession of an unlicensed firearm. There's a lot of those these days. Hmm. Didn't, As, realize, didn't realize there were so many unlicensed guns. Exactly. Makes you worried. I can't really count them when they're when they're, all, when they're yeah, unaccounted, unaccounted for. for. <laughs> well, I wonder what percentage they think they might even be getting. It's crazy. Mm. So, um, and in final news, a man has been sentenced three for to three years, my apologies, for indecent assault and an eight-year-old. Disgusting. So, yeah, absolutely. So, mm. um, he'll be spending some time at Her Majesty's Palace. Those are your news headlines today. Congratulations to Lions Club, by the way. They've just celebrated 50 years here in Grand Cayman. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you, Sandy. And, of course, you can catch Sandy's show on Bobo 89.1 FM coming up at 7.30 this morning. And we'll see you tomorrow on our show for the Wednesday headlines. All right? Beautiful. Have a good one. You too. All right, folks. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We've got a couple more minutes before we're going to go live and radio. So sit back and relax and enjoy your beautiful national song. Ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. 
Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey chow. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. I know there's a little bit of uh, weather out there today. The roads are wet, and we've already had two accidents this morning, if you can believe that. Um, slow down, folks. We encourage you to take your time. One is on the Newlands Bypass, and the other one is down by Wilty Drive. So, yes, we encourage you to uh, take your time. Uh, take it easy. You know, there's, there's nowhere that you're going to get two minutes earlier. That's going to be worth smashing up your car about. So just relax and take it easy. So, of course, today is Tuesday, and you guys know what that means. What's Tuesday? Rundown Tuesdays, y'all. So get ready for another uh, wonderful segment with Health City. We're going to be speaking to them here in just a minute. Of course, let us say a quick good morning to everyone listening on Bobo 89.1 FM. Don't forget, Bobo has a, a new link online. So if you got friends in the BRAC or Elsewhere around the world who uh, might not have access to social media, they can certainly listen to Bobo directly. So check it out. We've got a, I think there's a link on the website and uh, we'll post it up on our social media platforms as well. So you just click on that link and it takes you directly to the Bobo 89.1 stream and you're able to listen to the radio. And trust me, they have wonderful news and programming throughout the day. So good morning to Miss Vernita. Good morning, Marshall. Irvelyn is here. Miss Lily also has it locked in. Larry joining us from Larry has returned to the Cayman Islands. I don't want to say New York anymore. He's back. Chantal, good morning. She says it's in prison for murder in the States if you kill someone drinking and driving. Well, it's certainly a lot more than what people here in the Cayman Islands get. But we'll talk about that after our wonderful guests have left the studio, because I think there definitely has to be some changes. Good morning to Bonnie. Good morning, John. Catherine has got it locked. Felicia, good morning to you. Siobhan is here today. Wee Wee is here. John Henry says, take your time. Take it easy. There's no need to rush. Good morning, Shay. How are you? So good to see you. Beautiful people all lined up on the stream. And we're going to be talking about um, MS today. Now, listen, we've actually talked about, ironically enough, you guys remember, some months ago, we had um, a guest on the studio, in the studio, I should say, who was sharing what it's like living with MS. And of course, it does seem like it's a very unique experience for a lot of different people. Well, it turns out that yesterday was actually um, MS Day. So it was World MS Day, which is observed every May the 30th. And the theme for this year is connection. So we're going to be speaking with Tiffany Dixon Ebanks from Health City. And she is the global sales and marketing manager. And we also have Dr. Ramnesh DeSouza, who is joining us uh, this morning in the studio as well. So good morning to both of you. Good morning, and good morning to all of the persons listening out there in the Cayman Islands this morning. 
So good to uh, see you both. Um, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, good doctor, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having us on the show this morning. Yes, absolutely. So um, very, very interesting discussion this morning. Um, some of our listeners might remember that just recently we're having a discussion about MS, but can we get a baseline uh, definition of what MS actually is? What is multiple sclerosis? So multiple sclerosis is a disorder of the nervous system. It basically affects the central nervous system, uh, which is your brain and your spinal cord. What happens in MS is there's an immune attack against the outer covering on the nerves, which is known as myelin. Mm -hmm. um, myelin is responsible for the smooth transmission of impulses via the nerves, both from the brain and spinal cord to the extremities and also from the extremities back uh, to the brain and spinal cord. So to break it down and make it more simple, if you imagine an uh, electric wire, so if the outer coating of the electric wire gets damaged, that electric wire cannot transmit electricity properly anymore. So in a similar way, because of the damage of the myelin around the nerves, uh, they are not able to transmit impulses properly, and which results in the symptoms of MS. Wow. And so this is something that impacts people around the world, including, you know, individuals right here in the Cayman Islands. I know of a few people myself who um, are dealing with this disease. Um, they seem to have different sort of ways of dealing with it because everyone can be a little bit different Absolutely. in terms of how it manifests itself. Is that right? Yes. So each patient is different from the clinical manifestations uh, the way they manage their symptoms. Every patient is different. There are no two patients who are the same. Right. And how do you know? what What's the um, way in which you determine if you actually have MS? Or is there a battery of tests that will give you a positive indication? Is it more like you look at a lot of the symptoms and you kind of piece it together? From a clinical perspective, how does that work? Uh, so it starts with the history of the patient, what brings the patient to the hospital. Uh, one of the most common symptoms of MS is painless vision loss, uh, which may last for 15 to 20 minutes or may go on for a day or two. That is basically known as optic neuritis. Uh, that is one of the most common symptoms, but the symptoms may also vary as numbness on one side of the body, weakness on one side of the body, pains, uh, urinary problems, uh, and those kind of things. It again, depends which part of the central nervous system is affected. Uh, MS as a disease affects younger people. Uh, so the average age group would be around 25 to 35 years. Uh, it seems to affect females more than males. Right. Uh, so when you look at a patient, you have to look at his history, his clinical symptoms, uh, the age of onset of the symptoms, and then try and uh, fit it in and order further investigations. Mm -hmm. uh, the investigations would start off with an MRI scan. Uh, that would be a scan of the brain as well as the whole spinal cord. What we're looking for is the white spots which we classically see in MS. Uh, and that would give us a better idea. In some patients, based on their clinical symptoms and the MRI and doing some blood work, we can say that, yes, this is MS. Uh, but we also have to rule out other things which may mimic MS, mm -hmm. uh, so which may entail further investigations being done. Uh, some patients may even undergo a spinal tap, looking for abnormal proteins in their spinal fluid. Mm. 
Wow. So um, it's very interesting that this is one of those diseases that does impact younger individuals um, because, you know, a lot of young people feel like they have age on their side and they're kind of untouchable until maybe they hit their 50s or 60s. But this mm -hmm. is definitely something that even in your 20s, um, the onset of symptoms can occur. Absolutely. So our youngest, I mean, recently we had someone who was 18 years of age Wow. who got diagnosed with MS. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the theme for this year is a very, very important one. Um, it is about connection. So I connect oh. and we connect is the campaign tagline. Um, and of course, with a disease like MS, where you can't always look at someone, and know mm -hmm. that they have it, especially if they're, you know, attempting to manage it well. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not something that you can pick up on right away. I think it's very, very important that there's support there for both the individual and the families that are having to, to deal with this. So really, this is a campaign about awareness of mm -hmm. MS specifically, but also these sort of what are coined invisible conditions that uh, people can suffer from and have to deal with on a daily basis. So let's talk a bit about how Health City has supported the Cayman Islands MS Foundation for uh, so many years. Yeah. So with the MS Foundation, which was started by Alyssa Christian, uh -huh. um, their aim is to spread awareness about multiple sclerosis in the Cayman Islands, assist patients with uh, treatment, uh, some patient needs financial assistance, they provide that. Uh, they would then, if a patient contacts them, they would then refer them to Health City. If the patient has some financial issues, Health City would try and help out uh, best they can to reduce the cost because MS is an expensive disease. Mm. Uh, the treatment of MS is uh, very, very expensive and not easily affordable by everyone. Wow. So we'll talk about um, some of the treatments here in a second. So it's wonderful to know that there is a local MS Foundation folks. So we'll tell you some details in a bit about um, maybe Tiffany can share how to get in contact with them. Um, but, you know, the point is, I think any disease that you have that could be in, I mean, I understand that sometimes MS goes into remission. It does, yes. Yes. But it, it's something that you're going to have to live with um, pretty much for the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about a lifetime illness here, folks, that uh, requires, you know, medical treatment and support. So uh, if we could discuss a little bit about what are some of the available medical treatments and how Health City plays um, into that part of the puzzle. Yeah. So for MS, there's several medications which are now available, which are FDA approved. Um, some of them are injectable, some of them are oral medications, and some of them are infusions. Uh, one of the more popular ones which people are preferring is an infusion which you take once every six months. Uh, the name of that medication is Ocrevus. Uh, the reason why people seem to prefer it is, first of all, the results are very, very good. Uh, it, about 60 to 70% of the patients have no further progression while they are on the medication. It's also in the convenience of ease of convenience, sorry. Uh, when the patient just has to come in every six months, take the infusion, and instead of injecting himself either every alternate day or once a week, or taking a tablet every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so this infusion, we are an approved infusion center for Acrevis in Cayman. And we currently have around 30 patients who receive this infusion. And so far, all of them are doing very, very well on it. Mm -hmm. 
How many, do we have a rough idea of how many people um, here in the Cayman Islands actually uh, have been diagnosed with MS? So I was talking to Alisa yesterday and we would put it at around 100 patients oh. on island having multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. Well, Yvette uh, joins the conversation by messages. She says that snowflake disease, there are no two that are the same, even amongst familiar lines, uh, just like snowflakes, uh, which you feel you feel, but seeing is not as easy. So Yvette, thank you so much for that. So folks do remember that if you have a question or a comment for a guest, you can always call into the program. 936-2626 is the number. Again, that's 936-BOBO. Uh, the phone line, you can call via WhatsApp. So if you're low on credit, don't, don't be shy. Um, you can call via WhatsApp as well. And we're easily um, able to take those calls just as easily. And of course, we've got hundreds of people tuned in on social media and you can send in your comments also. So Yvette knows quite a bit about this. I think she might have firsthand experience. She says short circuit of the electrical system is probably the easiest way to explain it. Good morning to Melita and Ms. Iva who are here. So, you know, these sessions, we always get such positive feedback um, from them. And a lot of people say that they're so incredibly educational and useful. Um, and if oh, at least 100 people, maybe some are uh, undiagnosed at this point in time, or maybe even misdiagnosed, mm -hmm. who are suffering with uh, multiple sclerosis, I think this is definitely a very, very important conversation that we need to be having. So uh, folks, yesterday was MS World Day. Again, um, you know, try to learn as much about this uh, disease as you can, because there are people who might be your friends or family members who are dealing with this. We have Dr. Ramnish de Souza, who is the consultant international neurologist at Health City, who's talking with us this morning about the disease and how um, Health City has been working quite closely uh, to support the local MS community. So when we've we've just touched on, on some of the available treatments. You said that some are um, working extremely well. Is there any sort of common denominator that triggers a remission? Uh, is that something that everyone experiences or only some people? No, it would be only some people. There are different types of MS. So the most common type of MS is what we know call as relapsing remitting MS. Uh, so that is where a patient would typically have flare-ups intermittently. Uh, the other one, which is uh, known as primary progressive, is that from the onset of the disease, uh, the patient has a downward course and keeps getting more and more neurological symptoms. Uh, the other one is secondary progressive, where they start off with a relapsing remitting type and then go into a progressive downhill course. Uh, so the medications for MS uh, to prevent progression of the disease uh, to prevent the development of new plaques within the brain and also uh, clinically improve functional outcomes of the patient. Right. Wow. So quite a bit here to, um, to certainly learn about MS. So um, what are some of the, you know, once you've been diagnosed and you start a treatment, a course of treatment, what's what's the time frame? You talked about the infusion treatment and there's some pills that are taken every single day. So is this then again, because it is a, a disease that can be progressive and it's a lifelong disease, you're going to pretty much be on medication for the rest of your life? Yes. Or do you go into, when you go into remission, do you come off of your meds? How does that work? So some patients, if they are proven in remission for prolonged periods of time, have no evidence of either clinical relapse or radiological relapse. Some patients may consider coming off the medication. Uh, patients have to be followed up very closely. Uh, 
they would have an annual MRI of the brain and spinal cord. We would use the first MRI as a baseline to look for progression of the illness. Uh, the other way we monitor it is also clinically, uh, when the patient would come in saying he, she, he or she has developed new symptoms like weakness, numbness, which was not there, uh, at which point we would clinically evaluate the patient and maybe even repeat an MRI. If the MRI is showing evidence of new lesions that would show that the treatment is not being effective, at which point we may consider changing the medication. So it could take a while to sort of tweak what uh, treatment is going to be best suited for individual patients. Yes, because yeah. again, it's you have to take into fact the cost factors also plays an important role in that. And uh, yeah, so it, each patient is individual. Uh, treatment has to be individualized for the patient. Right. Wow. So, um, of course, Dr. Um, Ramnesh, you've got, you know, um, expertise in neurology. So let's talk l a little bit about um, the neurology options at Health City and what you guys offer. And there's also a wide range of other neurological disorders, not just MS, that you guys are, are very well versed in. So let's talk a little bit about what those are. Yeah, so in our Department of Neurology, we also have an interventional neurology department mm -hmm. uh, that basically looks into treat, uh, treatment of conditions like acute strokes. Uh, we have the capability of if a patient reaches us in time, uh, we can go and retrieve a clot which has caused a blockage to the blood vessel. Uh, patients have done very, very well with this and uh, some of them have lead completely normal lives in spite of having a major blood vessel within the brain blocked. Uh, we also treat conditions like aneurysms, uh, which are basically a bulging or outpouching of the blood vessel, which tends to rupture. Uh, so that is our interventional neurology department. We also have electrophysiology, uh, which looks into condition where we have a lab where we can do tests such as EEGs. EEG basically looks at the electrical activity of the brain uh, it's used for diagnosing conditions like seizures. Uh, we also do a nerve conduction test, which looks for conditions which affect the peripheral nervous system. Uh, so those would include conditions like peripheral neuropathy and things like that. Uh, these tests are also used to diagnose uh, neuromuscular junction disorders, uh, which is known as myasthenia gravis. We will shortly, I believe in a week or so, be starting a specialized migraine clinic. Uh, where we would be having a visiting specialist coming in from Canada, uh, I think for four days of the month, and she would just be seeing migraine patients. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I'm sure everybody on the show knows of more than one person who suffers from migraines and how That's debilitating they can be. Yes, wow. Yeah, and as, as Dr. It's kind, right, Tiffany, on island? Yeah, and as Dr. Romnish mentioned, the headache clinics, um, we are going to be bringing that visiting specialist on your show in another couple of weeks. So I'll ask your audience just to stay tuned to that so that, you know, once um, she comes on, I, you know, before she comes on island, you get to know a little bit about her, her background, yes. and what the partnership is with Health City. Um, Dr. Rose Giamarca is her name, and she actually did a CME presentation along with Dr. Romnish about maybe two months ago in, in Cayman. Um, well, she did it virtually. It was a session that we had 
with a group of doctors. And what the CMEs are, are continuing medical education credits where all of our physicians, the medical community comes together for educational opportunities. And we were fortunate that Dr. Rose was able to join Dr. Romnish and his team. Um, there were several topics discussed during that, um, that session from epilepsy, um, um, Dr. Romnish mentioned the strokes and um, Dr. Jim Marco was able to, to focus on headaches, migraines, um, some of the new, uh, you know, novel advances in that area for patient care and treatment. So um, that's one of the things about Health City in terms of our doctors and um, the, the level of expertise that they bring to us. Um, it's they have years of experience, yes, but it doesn't stop there. There's continuous advancement, there's continuous education and training to ensure that each of them are able to um, maintain um, their knowledge and their skills, but also to ensure that they're aware of all the medical advances, the different equipment that's coming on stream and, and being educated to, in, order, in order to utilize those to benefit patients. You know, so there's ongoing training, ongoing development. There's, it, it's not a standstill. Um, I know that we started off the show and you, you kind of, Dr. Romnish went straight in. Great. Thank you so much. But I, I just wanted to um, read a little bit about his background. Um, he completed his specialty training in neurology, uh -huh. um, which he, he did a fellowship in stroke and interventional neurology. And he has worked in many of the best hospitals in mm -hmm. India, including the D.Y. Patil Hospital and Research Center mm -hmm. and the Jaslok Hospital and Research in Mumbai. So during his tenure at NH, so NH, obviously, you know that that's our parent um, organization in mm -hmm. India. You know, he has worked with patients with various disorder, neurological disorders, such as migraines, such as epilepsy, peripheral neuropathies, and stroke patients requiring rehabilitation. Um, he talked a little bit about that as well. So his, his um, scope of knowledge is very wide reaching, mm -hmm. um, looking at the rehabilitation of patients after they have a stroke, right? Um, well, we're discussing MS today and, and movement disorders. And there's a team at Health City that works along with Dr. Romnish. Um, uh -huh. You know, he's not a one man show, although we, we have him here on the show today. Um, you know, they deal, the, the team deals with several issues, even um, Gillen Barr syndrome. And Dr. Romnish has been involved in over 700 plus. So 700 is a number we have, but I know it's it's been increased since that in terms of his his um, tenure here with us at Health City, but several different su successful um, surgeries and patient follow-up. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, anyone who is listening this morning who, and I know we have a, a little bit of the discussion to go through in terms of some of the symptoms of MS, mm -hmm. but if after today's show, you're feeling that, hmm, this is something that has been happening to me uh -huh. and I want to check it out, don't hesitate, you know, reach out to us at Health City, send us an email. Um, it's info at healthcity.ky, or you can give us a call at 640-4040 to set up an appointment to talk with Dr. Romnish, mm -hmm. to check it out, to see whether or not. Um, I know we were talking with Alyssa yesterday. Um, we do have, sorry, Tiffany, can I just put you in pause? Because we do have a caller, actually. 
who's okay. been patiently waiting. So let's just go ahead and pull her in real quick. Okay, um, go ahead. Caller, good morning and welcome to the program. Hi, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, you hear me loud and clear? Yes, I'm not hearing you. Thank too you. bad. Yes. Okay, hopefully you'll hear me clear. I'm not too bad this morning, but I was just inquiring with the doctors. Um, most of these symptoms or pains that they're saying, I go through, but nobody has told me I have MS, but I deal with, um, you know, I deal with fibromyalgia, Durena's um, phenomenon, plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis and, and osteoarthritis. So I'm wondering, how do I know if I don't have an MS? How, how would I know? How I don't I know? I, I, I don't sometimes, you know, my brain kind of hard to say the word sometimes because of my sickness, but mm -hmm. how do I know right now that I don't have MS? Yeah. So the thing is, uh, first we would have to see you. We'd need more details about your symptoms. We'd also have to do a clinical examination. Uh, if your symptoms and clinical examination do raise a suspicion of MS, uh, we would order further tests like an MRI scan, which would help us uh, to see if you're fitting into the MS diagnosis. Uh, what has to be remembered is that all Pain is not MS. There are several other causes for pain. As you said, fibromyalgia is also one of them. Um, right. Yes. It, it would need more evaluation along with radiological testing, etc., cetera, uh, to see if you're fitting okay. into the diagnosis of MS. Oh, okay, sir. Oh, okay, sir. Great. Appreciate it, sir. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Hopefully, I could get an appointment to, 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 to come in. See you all up and yeah, we stand to get myself checked out because I've been dealing with this a little bit while I'm just taking medication, just medication, and nothing is really working. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be getting worse, and my limbs are getting weaker, and I'm falling down more. So I, I, I don't know what else to say. My doctor Nichols does very well with me, I must say, with certain pain treatment, she does well, mm -hmm. with okay. that, but there's other. Other, I'm a morphine or nothing they don't work for me morphine those like things that but those have that kind of it don't work for me so I'm saying what what else is there I'm on I'm on cannabis oil I am diazepam I do all kind of fiends and so and they're not they're not doing much for me they don't they're not they're not doing so much for me mm -hmm. so I, I'm wondering if there's anything else or that you all will give me or dare that you offer. Yeah. That so, would be so it's better for you. Go in for a consult. Um, yes. Okay. Do a full, full clinical, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of review of your your specific history. So, how can I do this now? Because I've been trying to do this too, but I, I can't get it done. I don't know how to do it because, like, why I say I'm a shut in? I don't have, I have people around, but I don't have much support. Mm -hmm. So, what, what should I do now? So, um, Tiffany, do you guys have any, I, I do know that you have, a, um, I think it's Grayson who transports patients, but mm -hmm. someone like this who has some transportation concerns in terms of getting to you, do you have any options mm -hmm. available to her where she can be picked up and taken in for consultation? I think what we could do is um, if she could reach out to us, um, send us an email, um, and then our team can evaluate. Um, not too sure. I don't want to ask for details over the right. ear, 
but maybe right. perhaps Sandy, if she could leave her information with you. Yes, I'll off, send it to you. Off the air. And so at least we can, mm -hmm. you know, take a look at that internally to see if there's any way we can assist. Yeah. Um, but I think as Dr. Romnish, you know, she was giving her symptoms and so on. These are the kinds of questions that, um, you know, patients will come in, make the appointment, consult, and then, you know, ask, you know, just like she relayed to us um, very, um, you know, candidly over the ear, you know, then she'll be able to talk in more detail with the doctor in a private consultation. And then the doctor will be able to ask more pointed questions to kind of get to the bottom of, you know, is this uh, a symptom that is reflecting MS or is it something else altogether? Because I know we're talking about multiple sclerosis today and the symptoms are so vast and varied. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you have this symptom or three symptoms that it is multiple sclerosis, it could be something else. Mm -hmm. So the, the best thing to do is to set up a full consultation so that we can do the proper diagnostics that are needed, you know, for the doctors to know the best way forward. Right. Okay. Yeah, and my other yeah, like I said, my other problem now, you know, I'm talking pretty clear today, Sunday. You know what yes. I hope to. Oh, yes. I'm talking pretty clear right now and understandable, well, making sense, a little bit more sense. But mm -hmm. maybe when I get to them that day, I mightn't have, if I don't have somebody with me to talk for me to express, I mightn't be able to express myself mm -hmm. in yeah. certain ways, you know, that because my cognizance messes up. I, I also do my cognizance and, and my understanding with the sicknesses. So th th this is this is my one of my other problems. So hopefully, if I if I do get through, I can explain myself as good as I can right now because you never know where the sickness could take you. So you just got to deal with it day by day. So mm -hmm. um, all I want is, like I said, is to get this referral to yeah. you all, and then mm -hmm. to get my documents to you about how to get a referral. And I've been fighting for this for years. How do I get a referral? Who do I get a referral from to come and see you all? this is the problem so I, now. Th I think mm -hmm. on that and now you need to speak to the folks over at hsa to see um, okay. if they can assist with that but miss miss vernita what i'll do is i'll send your contact details to tiffany mm -hmm. and um yes, you know see if she can at least start the communication process with you and then see okay, you know, how how to take it from there and and they'll, yes, they'll, they'll help okay. you they'll understand that some days you know even from mm -hmm. a pain pain management perspective some days you're in a better position than others so they'll try to bring you in on right. a day that you're feeling a bit uh, a bit better yeah. yeah and i think um i think for anyone else who um, might be listening as well in addition to this um caller is probably keeping a log of what is happening to you um whether you're going to write it down you have a book or something where you can keep um, track of what's going on so that if it comes to the point where you are with the doctors one day when you're not able to express, then at least you'll have some documentation there to help you. I think that that might be something you might want to, you know, think about a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. So, Ms. Vernita, thank you so much um, for calling in. I we'll do like to. Thank you. Make those connections for thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, I think that's an important 
appoint Tiffany to keep a log because I think no matter what you suffer from, whether it's you think it's migraines or other um, ailments, you know, in our heads, sometimes we have it more often than we think. Sometimes we're not having it as often as we think. There's a lot of things that, especially when you have episodes of an onset of something, the mind kind of like forgets how often it's happening or not. And so keeping a very detailed log is one of those things that's really, really important. I mean, I have an issue with my feet that drives me crazy. And, you know, when you go in, they say, well, how often is this happening? I always have to think about it. Uh, has the frequency increased over the years? You know, there's a lot of questions like that that are going to be asked of you. So um, good advice to Ms. Renita and anybody who deals with any sort of chronic pain is uh, keeping that information as detailed as possible allows you to, when you have a consultation or you go in with the physician, you're able to provide more accurate information. And more accurate information, quite frankly, leads to um, a better diagnosis, which means hopefully um, better available treatments as well. So Tammy is joining us. Good morning, Tammy. She says, um, what's an estimate of people that have MS? So <clears throat> Tammy, we did say this earlier. So Dr. <laughs> Ramnish, if you want to uh, sort of give that information again. Yeah, hi, Tammy. So we estimate it would be around 100 people. Uh, we have 34 people currently taking treatment for MS at Health City. Okay. Uh, but the others, some of them are going overseas or to other centers for their treatment. Uh, so, yeah, I would estimate it. And Alisa, who's in the part of the MS Foundation, also agrees it would be around 100 people. Is there any sort of a database that um, keeps track of, of people who have MS? So uh, once the patient comes into our system, yes, we do keep track of them. Uh, the MS Foundation also has their own database. Uh, but no, there is no comprehensive database on in Cayman Islands of MS patients. Mm -hmm. So that might be something that would be worth um, exploring. Yes, yeah. it, it would be. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we should mention on this show is that the, the MS Foundation you know, one of the things that one of the main goals of that is to bring persons who are having these issues together so that they know that they're not alone. They're not the only one experiencing these um, issues and having these concerns. So it's a support network. And so I think as Dr. Romnish was saying, um, we actually partner and we've supported the MS Foundation for several years. And Health City is willing to partner with the foundation on any activities that they're having to raise awareness, one, and raising awareness, putting on fundraisers and so on that actually helps. As Dr. Romnish indicated, um, there's a lot of expenses that go along with um, successfully treating and maintaining because it's an ongoing issue um, that, you know, unfortunately, unlike some other um, ailments, um, there's not a cure per se at, at this point in 2022. Mm -hmm. So um, it can become expensive if you're if, if you're continuously treating a chronic um, mm -hmm. neurological disorder as it is. Um, but I think where the MS Foundation comes in is it's that place where you'll know that there are other persons who are also experiencing similar issues. Um, and I know in speaking to Alyssa yesterday, I think coming from the patient's mouth is is better than coming from someone who hasn't experienced it. But um, just to give the listening audience a touch of what I heard, you know, you'll hear things like, I feel like my feet are on fire. 
Mm. Um, you know, I am not able to open a jar. Um, I'm not able to take care of my children today. You know, somebody else take care of them. Those are the kinds of um, issues that a lot of persons with MS go through, not every day, but when bouts of um, pain, um, when they actually go through their different stages, um, it can be very difficult to just cope with everyday things. You, you think like open a bottle and, and drinking something, it's something that's simple to do, but literally when pain happens under, under those conditions, um, they're unable to manage or handle. So, so a lot of the, and I don't think Dr. Romnish mentioned as yet either, in addition to medications, there are also other um, behavioral and lifestyle and diet, um, um, you know, dietary, you know, changes that can also help. And I believe Dr. Romnish, you mentioned, um, and I'm not too sure how many studies have shown anything, but vitamin D, and ensuring that your supplements and that you're, you, you have higher intake of vitamin D in order to handle. So I don't know if you want to discuss a little bit about that for your audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of research still going on as to what exactly causes MS. Mm -hmm. um, what we do know is it is an immune mediated attack where for some reason the body creates antibodies which start attacking the myelin sheath. Uh, the question which which they're trying to figure out is what causes the immune system to behave in such a way. Uh, so the the research going on has looked into environmental factors. Uh, MS as a disease is more common as we move away from the equator. So if you look in countries like Canada, etc., the incidence is very, very high. Uh, so whether there's some environmental factor within Canada triggering these kind of immune responses is what is being looked into. Uh, infection is another thing uh, which people are considering. So the Epstein-Barr virus was is being looked into right now, whether pre-existing infection, whether previous infection with that does trigger the immune system for people to develop MS down the line. Uh, other environmental factors like vitamin D deficiency, etc., is also being looked into, but. Right now, it's still not very clear what exactly causes MS. There's also a lot of research going into developing a vaccine uh, against MS. So that should be good. If, mm. yeah. Wow. So, I mean, how, how likely is that a vaccine? That'd be amazing. Uh, so the company is uh, very, very optimistic about the results. But uh, yeah, it's something we need to wait and see. Uh, because obviously, if you look at the side effects and long-term studies about that, uh, but yes, if that's something which comes out, it would be amazing because uh, it would benefit a lot of people in preventing MS. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. So again, folks, if you're just joining the program, good morning to you. Good morning to Tommy. Maria is joining us. Ms. Beulah is also here and Ms. Donner here, all saying that they're watching um, and listening quite keenly. So we're talking about multiple sclerosis, MS. Uh, yesterday was the World MS Day, a day that is celebrated around the entire world. Uh, really, it's all about um, bringing people together, their stories, raising awareness, and um, a campaign for change because this is something that impacts a lot of people around the world. Any idea what how many people in the general population are impacted by MS? So the incidence of MS in general is about one in 750 to 1,000 people. So that's a huge number. And again, certain countries for some reason have a much higher incidence. 
off MS. Truly amazing and interesting. All right, folks, call in 936-2626 if you have um, any questions for our expert uh, who is in today with Tiffany, who's in the marketing uh, department. So um, you, you mentioned that one of the things that could potentially be on the horizon is actually a vaccine. Is there any other treatments that um, are cutting edge or in development that gives people with MS some hope? There is. Uh, the newer treatments which are coming out is are proving to be very, very effective. Uh, people are doing very, very well on them. As I said, uh, uh, all of the patients we have an Ocrevus over the last five or six years, none of them have had any radiological progression. Uh, their symptoms do tend to worsen as they come up towards the infusion, uh, but uh, no major issues encountered by any of them. Uh, no infusion reactions, nothing like that. Uh, COVID did change things pretty much because uh, these medications suppress the immune system. Then you have a pandemic going on. So it became tricky managing patients with that. <clears throat> but the good thing uh, was that there was a lot of support, uh, a lot of research being done, whether it is safe for the patients to take the COVID vaccine, uh -huh. should they take the COVID vaccine, uh, the timing of the COVID vaccine with relation to their treatment. Uh, was it better for them to interrupt their treatment and risk uh, relapse? Uh, so there were a lot of guidelines which came out and these keep changing and evolving. Uh, so, so far everyone has done well on island. A uh, couple of patients with MS on treatment did get coronavirus, but they recovered and are doing well again. Very good. All right, folks, again, if you um, think that you might be suffering from symptoms of MS or really any neurological um, disease, they have an entire neurological intervention uh, set of services, a center there at Health City that mm -hmm. can assist you with a number of different things. We're just focusing on MS this morning, but there are other things um, that are related that you might need a neurodiagnostic uh, analysis for. And they have monitoring systems at Health City that can certainly assist you with getting to the right uh, conclusion in terms of what you are suffering with. And I think getting to the, the right conclusion obviously allows you to take treatments that are effective and that work well um, for you know controlling your particular disorder. So again, multiple sclerosis is a condition that can affect the brain and spinal cord. It causes a wide range of potential symptoms, including problems with vision, arm or leg movement, sensation, and balance. It is considered a lifelong condition that can sometimes cause serious disabilities, although um, there are people who have very mild symptoms and people who can also go into remission. So there are available treatments. Mm -hmm. Dr. Romnish has spoke about what some of those treatments are. And um, there's something here that says the average life expectancy is slightly reduced for people with MS. What causes that? So it's again, um, the because of the increased plaque buildup or increased uh, progression of the illness, the patient may get prone to other problems. Uh, some people may develop difficulties in swallowing that could lead to aspiration. Uh, because of reduced mobility, you may develop what is known as pressure sores. Uh, infections, etc. Uh, depression is another common thing which we see in patients with MS. Uh, basically, it's because, again, it's a younger population. They have their whole life ahead of them. Then they're told suddenly you have this diagnosis of MS. 
some people have young children at home they don't know how to deal with it uh, so depression and some suicide rates are also higher in patients suffering with ms mm-hmm. uh, yeah. mm, that's so sad yeah. um and let's just go through some of the main symptoms there um then of ms we have a long list including fatigue difficulty walking vision problems such as blurred vision problems controlling the bladder, numbness or tingling in different parts of the body, a muscle stiffness and spasms, problem with balance and coordination, mm-hmm. uh, problems with thinking, learning, and planning. So um, Dr. Ramish also mentioned that there are several different types of MS that a person can have. And so some of the symptoms may come and go in phases um, or get steadily worse. So there's a progression of some of them depending on the type of MS that you have. So we have um, one or two general ways uh, that people see it. So they'll have an individual relapse or attack, or they'll have uh, the gradual progression where it comes, you know, symptoms are, are coming on over time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. The, the most common one is the relapsing remitting one. Right. Uh, where patients would intermittently get symptoms. Uh, in between the symptoms, uh, they reach back to a baseline. Again, the baseline is not completely normal, but they will be able to be functional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the relapse does happen, they can be quite disabled. At this point, the patient may need uh, steroids to help them tide over the relapse. Mm. Uh, so that is the most common one. Uh, the other one, as you said, is a primary progressive. Uh, this one, unfortunately, uh, the patient does not come back to a baseline. The disease just keeps progressing. Uh, the patient will then get wheelchair bound, bed bound, uh, mm-hmm. need assistance. Uh, the other one is a secondary progressive where the patient starts off as a relapsing remitting type, mm-hmm. uh, the most common one, and then it starts progressing and the patient does not tend to reach back to the baseline, uh, wow. which is where the treatment comes in. We, the aim is to prevent the progression uh, mm-hmm. prevent worsening of the clinical symptoms, prevent radiological progression or more plaques on the MRI. Uh, so that is where the treatment is coming. Mm-hmm. And it says that really between one and two people of every 10 with the condition have the MS with the gradual worsening of symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas for the, um, the re- relapsing remitting MS, eight or nine out of 10 are diagnosed with that particular type. So mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. 936-2626 is a number. We've got about 15 minutes left with our guests in the studio. If you have any questions about this or you want to learn more about their neurology center at Health City, please do give us a call. Um, so we've talked about, you know, how MS manifests itself. And we have had, you know, a young lady on the program before, Anne Maria, who talked about, you know, her symptoms and how she first recognized that she had MS and, you know, started to to uh, get a proper diagnosis. And then treatment for her has actually been uh, quite effective. And I believe that she's in one of her remission stages for quite some time now and lives a very normal and active life. So I think it's probably important to Mm -hmm. let people know that this isn't a death sentence just because you've been diagnosed with MS. Yeah. 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 And um, I think I want to, um, on behalf of the MS Foundation, I'll just um, put a plug in Uh, If anyone um, out there, maybe you have been diagnosed with MS already and you haven't yet reached out to the the foundation and, you know, the group, the support group that exists, 
you mm -hmm. might want to um, send them an email at info at msfcayman.com. That's info at msfcayman.com. And they also have uh, their, their Facebook page, um, msfcayman. Um, just, just type that into the search, MSF Cayman Islands. And you'll see, you'll be able to follow some of the activities that they have, but they they would really like um, as you know if you do have that diagnosis, reach out because the support group is there, and there are and um, there are persons who are living normal lives. In other words, mm -hmm. they're they're able to put things in place to actually ensure that their lives are still fulfilled. They're still e able to meet obligations and so on with additional support that they need. And obviously, there is the medical side of it as well. But as Dr. Romnish indicated, um, depression and, and suicide prevention as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when when you're in pain and you're in you're in significant amount of pain and you you don't know how to cope and it's a chronic situation, then it it can also affect you psychologically psychologically too. So okay. um, the, it's best for you if you to have that additional support from the foundation, um, other patients who are going through similar um, things and actually being successful and leading productive lives. All right. We do have a caller who's on the program. Good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. Good morning. Um, I'm grateful that you brought this subject forward, and I'm grateful to Dr. Amish and Tiffany. Um, my question is the... Um, the approach to um, treating a potential underlying infection. I know that Dr. Ramesh brought up Epstein-Barr, um, which is a viral infection, and we've seen more and more of that, or at least it's being recognized more frequently. Um, I'm a herbalist, and we recommend using um, an antiviral therapy as well as an anti-inflammatory and immune modulation. So considering that MS has been connected to toxicity, whether that be from a bacterial infection or potential heavy metal infection, um, are there approaches used on island that are herbal therapies as well as um, supplemental therapies? I know that you spoke about vitamin D. Um, larger doses of vitamin C are also recommended. So just curious about that approach, if, if that's being recommended for patients. Okay, Dr. so Yes, so we do, uh, every MS patient would have their vitamin D level checked. If they are deficient, uh, we would give it, we would supplement their vitamin. Um, the other question which you raise is also very, very important, uh, which is where the support group comes in, which is where patients would meet, share their experience, because every patient is unique. What works for one patient may not work for the other patient. Uh, they discuss their symptoms, how, what they did to overcome those symptoms. And that gives other patients confidence, so whether it would be supplements with vitamin C, uh, if they've tried some new herbal therapy and it feels they work for them, then they would recommend it to other people. The other people would try it um, and see if it works for them. So which is why that support group is very, very important and they're doing a fantastic job on island. Mm -hmm. Okay, caller. Um, thank you very much. Um, is Are there any diagnostics for a latent viral infection or a latent bacterial infection? Um, which would trigger MS, you mean? Are we researching whether the patient had it in the past and we suspect it would have triggered it? Mm -hmm. 
Well, if you consider that MS is a series of symptoms, and as you alluded to earlier, you can have multiple symptoms and not be diagnosed with MS. However, yeah. these are neurological conditions. So my question is, are there diagnoses for a latent viral, viral infection or a latent bacterial infection that has overridden the system? Yes. So every patient before they are labeled with a diagnosis of MS would undergo extensive testing. We also look for things which could mimic MS, like other immune autoimmune conditions. Uh, we look for things like Lyme's disease, uh, infections, because if there is an infection, uh, we cannot obviously put them on immunosuppressive therapy. So uh, an extensive battery of tests would be done on the patient. Also, in between every six months prior to the infusion, if the patient is on Ocrevus, they would undergo blood tests. Again, looking for things like uh, infections. Uh, patients who are on other forms of therapy would also routinely undergo blood tests and other kind of testing to rule out infections before they are advised to continue their therapy. It has to be remembered we have to look also at the patient's liver function, kidney function, to ensure that the therapy is not causing any side effects with regards to those. Very good. All right. That's great. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you so much, Paula, for that. So folks, again, 936-2626 um, is the number that you can certainly call. I appreciate that caller calling in and asking some really important questions um, about, you know, supplemental therapy that can be added uh, more on the holistic side, which is also very, very important as well. Now, um, Tiffany, you're mentioning, you know, that a lot of patients, once they've had an MS um, diagnosis, some of them will obviously know that this is very, very life-changing because it's something that they have to live with uh, for the rest of their lives. And it could certainly mean um, some lifestyle changes, and um, some changes in their support network and their support system. Um, you know, Health City also offers an entire um, psychiatric, you know, center and specialists who are available to help with, um, you know, I think any sort of chronic illness that a person has can really take a detrimental um, effect on their mm -hmm. mental health. So those yeah. services are also available. Um, yeah, so we, we do have a consultant psychiatrist um, yeah. within our team. And, um, you know, I think May was Mental Health Awareness Month as well. So we, we were actually um, focusing on that topic um, quite significantly. Um, to be honest, even this weekend, um, Dr. DeWalker, who is our consultant psychiatrist, he came out to the Frank Sound Community Church. They had a family fun day and health fair, and he was able to, to give a presentation to um, the, the members of that church. Um, you know, in addition to, I mean, they did do health screenings, and they did have bunks about bouncy castles and stuff for the children. And um, it was a good fun activity, but um, with health included. And so, um, you know, we have done that. We have done outreach um, to various corporate entities out there who want to bring our doctors in just to talk to their staff about, um, you know, tips and tricks, and also just to talk about the services that we have at Health City. Um, so Dr. Romnish is on air with us today. We have our neurology department um, that deals with um, the vast um, number of neurological disorders and, and diseases. And we have our psychiatric um, consultant, which is on, on our team, um, multi-specialty hospital. So if you do come in, um, you know, like the caller who was talking earlier that she has all these different symptoms, 
if she does come in, make an appointment with Dr. Romnish. And at the end of the day, after all the diagnostics and evaluations yeah. and all the questions and answers with him as that the, the, the neurologist on our team, um, if it's an MS diagnosis, great, then he will be able to put her, her on the right track. If it's something else that's not, um, not MS, um, we also have other specialties on the team um, or physicians consult with each other every Friday. Um, even though they're working in their different areas, um, they have a, a consult consultative process that happens with every specialty every Friday just to talk about you know, any anomalies, um, any, any, any things that are um, concerning right you know i think and in, in when you have patients as dr romnish was saying every patient is different or they respond differently to mm -hmm. medications medications that work wonderfully for 10 people and then one person comes in you give them the same medication and it doesn't work at all or it has an adverse reaction so mm -hmm. the doctors are there to talk about those issues and if if someone comes in, it's not MS, then at least um, with the detailed um, approach that Health City does offer to healthcare, they'll be able to identify what really is the issue and then put the patient on the best possible course. Mm -hmm. All right, Dr. Ramesh. Yes. So as Tiffany said, I mean, if you feel you're having symptoms, it's best to come and get them checked out. Mm -hmm. With every disease, the early diagnosis is the key uh, to preventing any kind of future progression. Um, and we also, I think Tiffany forgot to say, we have a specialized neurosurgery department uh, where we have two full-time neurosurgeons uh, dealing in brain and spine. Uh, mm -hmm. They do epilepsy surgeries, deep brain stimulation, uh, the surgeries on the spinal cord and also physiotherapy department. Uh, we have an in-house physiotherapy and rehab center for patients who need it. Uh, so yes, Health City does offer a comprehensive neurosciences department uh, in Cayman Islands. Yeah. All right, folks. So if you need to contact um, Health City, the contact number is 640-4040. The email is info at healthcity.ky. That's the best uh, methods of reaching out to them. They have an entire you know, patient intake department that will assist you if you need to um, perhaps speak directly with Tiffany for some you know, special uh, arrangements or accommodations to be made for you, for example, like Ms. Vernita, then certainly, um, you know, she can look at those and see how best they can assist you. So thank you so much, Tiffany and Dr. Romneesh for joining us this morning. Again, folks, World MS Day celebrated yesterday. We've got a little video that we're going to play here um, on it to just sort of educate people further. But we just want to thank our guests uh, again for coming on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra, for having us. And um, stay tuned to Health City's social media pages because we're going to be putting out a video on the MS uh, as well, um, partnering with the MS Foundation. So we'll put that out on our social media this week. And Irvlin has one final question. She says, but how do you know which tests to do if you just want to know what illnesses you have if you're not having any symptoms? So that's kind of like looking for the proverbial um, needle in the haystack, right? So... Um, yeah. generally you should present with some sort of symptoms instead of doing random testing for what could be nothing. Yeah. So random testing is never recommended. Uh -huh. uh, again, it's important to look at the patient's symptoms. You have to have the history of the patient, <coughs> a clinical examination, which would then guide you as to what further tests need to be done. Uh -huh. 
So Irvlin, don't be a hypochondriac. <laughs> don't go looking for what's not there. All right, Dr. Ramnish D'Souza and Tiffany from Health City. Thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you. you okay. There are times when I say I'm tired and that's maybe because you know I didn't sleep well and things like that. And there are times when I'm fatigued, which is code for I can't move at the moment. I can't get up. It's constant. Getting up, walking around, even going to the toilet, getting a glass of water, that's an effort. And you try and forget about it, but it's hard. You don't have the control over a big part of your life anymore. My lips will shake, my cheeks will spasm, my neck will spasm, my eyelids. And I'm very well aware of it. I get very frustrated at times because I have MS and I, I can't do all the stuff around the house, particularly what I used to be able to do. The best way to describe it, I feel like I've just got all these sandbags on me and I can't quite lift my arms up, I can't quite lift my body up. I would say it's more like you've run a marathon in the middle of the day and you haven't had any water. My vision at times has been affected. It's like a fist like that. Have I broken down? In, in tears at times, not being able to do something to help out the family. Yes, I have. It's like bone crunchingly fatigue. Brain fog. It's hard to remember stuff. It's hard to remember if I took my medicine an hour ago. I've been abused for parking in disabled spots and being brought to tears. Having an invisible disease, yes, you do look well, but you might not be. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes my balance impacts me. I'm touching everything as I walk. When it hurts, when it's fatigue, when it's confusion, or when you're getting looked at, when you're out and about. It just doesn't go away. For someone that swaps shoes with you, you'd be saying, yeah, don't, don't expect too much, like you just want to get through the normal stuff and I love ticking things off my list, I love saying, yeah, I did that, I did that, you still got nine more things. You're going to have a hot shower in the morning, forget it, the hot shower is just going to tip you over because if you have a hot shower, all the nerves are getting slowed down by the heat and you're just wrecked. I keep saying you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to do my, my absolute best. I put a front on a lot of the time and I won't show even my family the pain I'm in, the fatigue I'm in, because I don't want sympathy. But some days I will cry because it is really hard. You put together the pressures of running a house and working and, and being a mum, which is hard with MS where your symptoms are fatigue. You put them together, it's hard. <laughs> you have really hard days, but then I can't just switch off. Being a parent's 24 hours a day. My son used to play football and I'd go down the, the footy and all the, the dads would be out on the field and, and running up and down the sidelines will have you yelling and screaming and cheering. And sometimes sports fields wouldn't have appropriate wheelchair access. And I found that pretty hard and pretty isolating at times. You can't go through it by yourself. You can't, you, you need people there. You need support, you need people to help you on your bad days because you have your bad days, you do. That's just, that's always gonna happen. Bad days, not being able to get out of bed. 
not being able to brush my teeth, having to get assistance to go to the loo. It's the mental, the mental mind game to go, I can't do it because it's been a bad day and you just feel crap. Connections are important. You need them more than you will ever realise. I get it there and I'll talk to whoever, wherever, whenever. It's kind of like layers. Then you got your close family, close friends. My husband knows that I don't like to spell it out that I'm having a bad day, but if I say to him I'm fatigued, he knows. The strength of my wife is my primary carer. She's almost like a puss on steroids. There's so many balls near that she's got to try and juggle. People are there to help, but you've got to <laughs> let them know how they can help and you've got to, you've got to let them in, really. That's why I like the boys on the MS group. You can hear them speak and you can say, oh, that's how it is for me too. I never knew that was a MS thing. You just never know when you're going to need those services. They will be there and, and they will direct you and they will help you. So this World MS Day, stay connected. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, pick up the phone, drop them an email, say good to your neighbours, do whatever you can, but stay connected. support system around you so it says here it's all about telling your stories and finding ways to you know get the support that you need within the community raising awareness about what multiple sclerosis is and how people in our community are having to live and deal with this disease so an invisible disease is really really difficult because as the um, one lady just said, you know, sometimes people see her and they think that she's fine and they don't know uh, what the struggles are that people are having every single day, whether it's just getting out of bed and going on with your daily routines. So let's show a little bit more um, sympathy towards people suffering with invisible diseases, not just MS, but in light of yesterday being World MS Day, certainly MS is one of those. We all know someone, I feel like, that um, is having to cope and live with and deal with MS. So again, thanks to Health City for raising this very, very important topic yet again. I think we, we discussed that it maybe it's been even two months now that we had some guests on the program um, talking about MS. So thank you guys so much. We're going to be switching gears here shortly now, folks, and we're going to be um, talking about what's happening elsewhere in the community. And of course, <laughs> you guys are going to be surprised what's going on. So let's go ahead and kick it off with Misha now for news and Kevin with weather. And then we're going to talk about all the topical issues happening in the Cayman Islands and beyond.
Hello and welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I am Misha Allinger and thank you for joining us. Leading today's headlines, a 25-year-old West Bay man has been arrested on suspicion of possession of an unlicensed firearm in relation to the shooting incident on Printer Way, Sharon Road, shortly after 1 a.m. on 30th May. Officers received reports of persons in a vehicle brandishing and discharging multiple shots into the air before fleeing in the direction of North Sound Road. Police later recovered the vehicle on Miss Daisy Lane in West Bay. One man is believed to have fled the location upon being approached by officers. The matter is under investigation and anyone with information is encouraged to call the Georgetown CID at 949-4222. Anonymous tips can be made directly to the RCIPS via the confidential tip line on 949-7777 or their website rcips.ky. In a stabbing incident in Prospect, shortly after 12.30 a.m. on Sunday, 29th May, RCIPS arrested two persons, a man aged 28 and a woman aged 20, both of Georgetown, at a residential location on suspicion of possession of an unlicensed firearm and wounding. Reports are that three persons, all known to each other, were involved in an altercation that led one man being stabbed while trying to leave the location. The injured man sought help from persons nearby residents. The duo remain in police custody as investigations continue. The RCIPS would like to express appreciation to the persons that assisted the wounded man, one whom is a juvenile who first answered the man's call for help. Police has identified the Kenyan national that was killed last week on May 26 in a fatal crash on West Bay Road. The 41-year-old Ali Bakari Abdurrahman was leaving work in the early morning hours from Ritz Hotel where he worked as loss prevention officer. People are encouraged to make donations to the GoFundMe page his friends initiated to assist with the funeral and unforeseen expenses as a result of his untimely passing. Kimanian Hunter Ebanks, age 24, has been arrested on suspicion of DUI in this matter. An employee at the Port Authority in Cayman Brack sustained two broken feet after an incident with a container while working on the dock on Thursday, May 26. Exclusive CMR sources indicated that the matter was not reported to the Port Safety Department. As a result, no investigation was carried out on this incident. It is understood the injured employee will have a cast on for several months as he recovers from his injuries. The Ministry of Planning, Agriculture, Housing and Infrastructure is set to welcome a long-serving civil servant, Mr. Eric Bush, as a new chief officer starting June 7, 2022. Mr. Bush will be transferring from his post as chief officer from the Ministry of Investment, Innovation and Social Development, Deputy Governor Honorable Franz Manderson announced in a press release on 30th May. The Lions Club of Grand Cayman recently celebrated 50 years of outstanding service to the Cayman Islands. Governor Martin Roper and his wife hosted a reception for the club at the Government House to celebrate their service to the community. The Family Resource Center, in partnership with Department of Children and Family Services, is hosting an information session on raising resilient children Tuesday evening, 31st May, at 6 p.m. Parents and guardians are encouraged to join via Zoom. To sign up for this session, please email frc at gov.ky. In health news, the month of May is also celebrated as Lupus Awareness Month. Lupus is an unpredictable and misunderstood autoimmune chronic disease that is difficult to diagnose, 
hard to live with and a challenge to treat. Lupus shares a lot of symptoms with other diseases like arthritis and diabetes. If you experience any lupus symptoms, it is important to talk to your doctor to receive treatment you may need. For more information, please visit lupus.org. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration is investigating two brands of organic strawberries sold at numerous grocery stores for a possible link to an outbreak of hepatitis A. According to the FDA, the potentially affected fresh campo and hep products are past shelf life. Purchases made between March 5, 2022 and April 25, 2022 and then froze those strawberries for later consumption are advised not to eat them. Hepatitis A is a contagious, vaccine-preventable liver infection. Symptoms include fatigue, nausea, stomach pain, and jaundice. In rare cases, the FDA said it could result in liver failure or even death. The Cayman Islands air show schedule for Friday, June 3rd could potentially be jeopardized due to pending bad weather. However, no official announcement has been made at this time. Government is taking a very close look at the situation with a view to probably making an official decision tomorrow. Stay tuned. Let's hear from Kevin Wattler for updates on Cayman's evening weather. Hello Cayman, I'm Kevin Wattler and this is your CMR weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 546, scattered showers and thunderstorms today. The day heats up to the mid 80s with winds east-southeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Sunset at 659. Now tonight, more scattered showers are in the area. The winds east-southeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour and the temperatures fall to the upper 70s. High tides at 9.19 a.m. and 11.08 p.m. and low tides at 4.29 a.m. and 3.57 p.m. Looking forward, it's not a good week to do any outdoor events because of the high rain chances. Now we're entering hurricane season, so make sure you're ready for anything that may pop up. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Have a great day. Thank you, Kevin, for those updates. Leading regional news today, the Education Ministry in Jamaica shared in a press release that face-to-face -face classes have been suspended at the Chandler's Penn Infant and Primary School after four suspected cases of hand, foot and mouth disease were reported among students from the infant department in Clarendon. Leading international news, a 3.8 magnitude earthquake has been recorded in the UK. Residents in and around Shropshire said they felt thuds and shudders. The tremor reportedly began shortly after 3.30 in the afternoon, British summertime, with the epicenter just south of Market Drayton. For more in-depth news and headlines, please visit our website, caymanmildroad.com. Tune in to The Cold Hard Truth with Sandy Hill tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube and Radio Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger. Please do not drink and drive and stay safe. folks good day good morning good morning and welcome back we are going to have the governor um 
joining us here in just a little bit. Uh, he's going to be talking about some of the upcoming festivities as we see the weather is just not playing nice with us. Oh my gosh. So um, a lot of you have been asking and wondering what's going on in relation to the air show. And I think it's fair to say, although I was just checking my email, um, we have not seen any precise, um, you know, announcement, yes, about the air show. I think it's safe to say that it's not going to happen on Friday. We're probably looking at Monday, but maybe the governor has some details for us, some some exclusive insights into exactly um, what's going on there. So we'll wait for him to come on and we can talk a little bit about that. So in the meantime, um, let's go ahead and discuss some other things that are happening in the community. So first of all, Tortuga Rum Company is having a job fair, folks, that's coming up. You want to make sure that you do not miss out on this opportunity if you're looking for employment and you're interested in, in they have a variety of different jobs from retail to drivers. Um, you can go to their facility, their headquarters and find out all about uh, the job fair and the job opportunities. They're looking for you. So if you're Caymanian and um, a resident with the rights to work on the island, please ensure that you reach out to Tortuga. Let's see when the details of the job fair are. Are you a superstar who's ready to work with a fast-paced, rapidly developing company? Then come on down because we want to meet you. Tortuga Rum Company Cayman is having a job fair. We are excited to get back to business and will be hosting a job fair on Wednesday, June 1st at our Seven Mile Shops location. We are hiring all positions, including store reps, warehouse staff, and delivery drivers. Don't miss this opportunity to bring your A-game at the Tortuga Recruitment Day. All right, folks, so that is tomorrow morning. Make sure you go out there for the uh, Tortuga Recruitment Day. Again, a lot of folks are trying to get back to work. Um, if you work in, in tourism or tourism-related fields, retail and so on, you're trying to get back to work. And Tortuga is looking for some real superstars, folks, to um, help build their team. So we do have uh, Governor Martin Roper, who is ready for us, I believe. Yes, looks good. Good morning, <laughs> Governor. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. My apologies for the little mix-up this morning. No, that's or you're only two minutes away from here, so um, yes. I was looking forward to being in your in your office. But anyway, yes. Zoom is just as good. Yeah, we always we do we do virtual um, for this show. It has okay. uh, during COVID times. It has been yeah. wonderful, and it means that no matter where you are in the world, uh, we you know bring in experts all the time that people can join in with such ease. So yeah. thank you so much uh, for joining us. I know that you wanted to share a little bit about the Queen's Jubilee festivities, and a lot of us have been monitoring this weather outside, going, "Oh, the weather is not going to play nice." So tell us what the latest is. Yeah, yeah. No, obviously the the weather has added a, an element of uncertainty and is going to cause some disruption. I mean, I think the main message is we is we, we want to go ahead with as much of, as possible. But sadly, mm -hmm. I think the air show, I, I can I can sort of confirm we, we uh -huh. have had to postpone it, uh, which I know is hugely disappointing because a, a lot of work has gone into it. But we just have to think safety first. And, you know, for parachutists, mm -hmm. uh, for practicing, um, we we just we just couldn't um, safely uh, mm -hmm. organise it this Friday. So so that is that is very sad. But we are very keen. The the planning, the steering committee, a very ably led by Cabinet Secretary Sam Rose and and a wide team. They're looking at how we can reschedule that as quickly as possible. I hope it will happen in mm -hmm. June. Um, 
but we we that is so that is the main casualty of the of the weather yeah. all the all the other events the message is we're going to try and do um, as much of it as possible but obviously there may be some changes subject to um, um to the weather i think a, an announcement will sort of come out um, a bit later today but you know it doesn't detract from the the fact that you know this is 70 years on the throne by mm-hmm. by her majesty and an, an incredible milestone and um you know i i know in the region there there are there have been some sort of challenges around recent royal visits and uh, the situation in the british virgin islands but i i think you know nobody um ever has a a, a bad word to say about her majesty herself that that 70 years of 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 duty and service and and i know across our islands there's huge respect for for her and her two visits here so despite the weather doing its best yes. to disrupt us i i hope we will still have um, a wonderful uh, set uh, of events over the weekend. Yes, and it's it's quite an eventful weekend that's planned. So um, perhaps we could spend some time going through uh, some of the details now of exactly what is happening. Again, folks, this is um, Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's Platinum Jubilee, uh, 1770 years on the throne, which I think is a world record, not just in the UK, but around the world. She's one of the longest, if not the longest serving uh, monarch, as well as um, definitely the longest serving for the UK. And she's had, you know, an amazing uh, long life. And she continues to, um, with God's blessings, continues to do well. And she, you know, has scaled back a little bit, as you can imagine now she's in her 90s. But um, there are a number of events. I'm just going to pull up some of them here that we have. So this is what we've got planned starting on June the 2nd, which is this Thursday until Monday. So we have uh, the music on the lawn and the official beacon lightning is that scheduled then on Thursday? Do you think to continue? It I, I, that that there'll be an announcement on that on that today. I think that okay. the main message, and I spoke to, to to Sam Rose just this morning to get sort of the latest. Is the main message is that we want to try and go ahead with as much of this as possible. Right. Um, so um, there, there may need to be a, a, a change of venue for one or two things, but. I think just watch out for the the press release, which which will come out um, today. Um, but we, you know, we do want to go ahead. I think BRAC actually will be fine. It looks like weather-wise, um, events on the BRAC are, are going to be much less affected. And certainly by uh, we hope by sort of Sunday Monday, um, it could clear. I think for the Monday events, I know we can come on to those. I, I think we should be touch wood. We should be absolutely absolutely fine. But we want to go ahead. With as much of this as possible, uh-huh. um, I, you know, and I, I, I obviously would would like to see lots of people come out, but I know the inclement weather is going to be a going to be a factor. Yes. Um, well, I always say a, li- a little bit of rain never really killed anyone, far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I, mean, I went to my I went to my normal run this morning on Seven yes. Mile Beach, and, and it was raining when I set off, but it then dried up very quickly. Yes, so. and it cools you down a little bit. That's exactly. showers from above. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously the air show is a little bit different because you've got wind factor and other things that could make that a bit unsafe. But everything from fireworks to a children's tea party, a service of Thanksgiving, which is going to happen across all three islands, 
Um, there's the official parade and award ceremony. There's the garden party. And of course, the grand finale fireworks. So, you know, people, um, Governor, have been working for at least, I think, 12 months um, yeah. trying to arrange all of these different activities and to ensure that they're going to go off without a hitch. And I know that there are practices and so on that are continuing yeah. in anticipation, as you said, of trying to um, have as many of these events as possible. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. And I, again, I, I pay tribute to, to the Cabinet Secretary and his, his steering committee who have done an amazing job over a very long time. And we have had previous events. We had a, a, a parliament session where there were tributes from uh, from elected our elected arm to Her Majesty. There have been exhibitions already. Um, I, I attended a National Gallery tea a week or so ago. So there's been a lot going on um, already. And, and I, you know, I've said it um, before. I, I don't think there is an overseas territory anywhere which is, has got the quality and the quantity of events that we have in Cayman, which I think underlines the respect for, for Her Majesty, but also just does show, I think, the strong UK Cayman links, which, you know, are mutually beneficial to mm. both Cayman um, and, and the UK. And as governor, I'm, I'm very proud to, to sort of see all, all the arrangements that have that have taken place. Obviously, I'm 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 looking forward to everything, but I'm particularly looking forward to the Queen's birthday party. Of course, okay. sadly for me, it may be maybe the last one that I that I host. I think it will right. be the last one I host because by June yes. 23, I think there will be a uh, my successor um, who hasn't even been sort of uh, we're not we're not at that point yet, but but yeah. uh, there will be a successor here. So so this is my last uh, Queen's birthday party. I, I last year was incredible. We had over a thousand people come through the doors. It is an open house, effectively. Mm -hmm. We don't send invites out. So anybody can come along. And I can guarantee you one thing, the parade will happen, rain or shine. Those, <laughs> those men and women are ready and they will, they will perform whatever, whatever the weather. So right. uh, that will happen. And then we'll come into the house and we've got, um, We've got music. We've got uh, wonderful food. We've got the platinum cake being served, oh, um, which after the competition, um, I'll make a, a short speech. But it's really just an opportunity to have have some fun, and 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 I hope we'll get we'll get large numbers. And I, I'm told the weather could be could be absolutely fine by Monday. So maybe yeah. if it's a bit wet earlier on, we'll have uh -huh. one last opportunity on the Monday to really get together and enjoy the day. And then it's followed by the fireworks, of course, for the first time. So I'm encouraging people, obviously the Queen's birthday party is a formal event, so people need to be smart, but but to then go out onto the beach, you might need to bring some different shoe shoes with you in your car so you can change into your into your sort of softer, mm -hmm. softer shoe. Uh oh, I think we've had a little bit of internet glitch there. Uh, maybe maybe the weather. Um, there we go. Ah, You're back. No, we're, we're back. <laughs> we're back. Must be the weather. I can yeah. see rain from my window already. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so that that sounds like a fun event. And what time will that event be taking place on Monday? So the parade begins at five, um, and after the parade, I will be conferring some uh, some Queen's honours on people who got them in the last round, but haven't gone to London to collect them. So I, I, I do that um, at, um, at just after the parade. And then we come into the house from about so six o'clock till eight o'clock is the um, the Queen's birthday party at um, at Government House. Um, and then the fireworks start at eight o'clock. So 
so people can uh, can sort of make their way around to the to the beach and I'll go out onto the to the beach as well and sort of watch the fireworks I think it's about 10 minutes which will be which will be wonderful Brack seem to have 15 so you know they've done better than Grand Cayman I don't know how how that happened but there we are but but 10 minutes of fireworks will be will be um will be fantastic I'm sure to, to round it all off mm-hmm well, wonderful. So again, folks, the weather is going to put a little bit of a damper on the celebration, the festivities, but not much of one. There will be events that we'll be able to um, continue. So we'll we'll keep an eye um, out on the forecast. Um, stay tuned, obviously, to you know all of the weather alerts. We've got um, some of it this morning that we'll be talking about what the forecasting is. And sometimes it's a bit difficult uh, you know, to tell four or five days out exactly what's going to happen. So as the time frame narrows down a bit, uh, we will then know exactly what the weather predictions are for uh, Friday and then going into the Monday and the weekend as well. So just continue to stay tuned for those. But the governor just wanted to come on the program this morning and remind all of you why we're celebrating what the Queen's Jubilee um, celebrations are actually all about. And there's a beautiful display, I must say, at the Legislative Assembly in yeah. honor of the Queen's Jubilee. And if you've not had an opportunity, folks, to go by and visit the, it's now Parliament. If you've not had an opportunity to go by and visit Parliament and see the display, I would encourage you to do so. Um, I'm, I'm suspecting there's probably one at the main government building as well. I, I, I'm not sure we do have one at the government building, but I am I, I am going tomorrow morning at eight, between 8 and 8.30. I think whether we're that that exhibition is wonderful. I've I've seen it and it's got some fantastic pictures, some pictures of Her Majesty's visits in '83 and '94 and other other sort of historic um, photos. So so I'm there in an event tomorrow. Um, so I, so it is definitely still there. And I absolutely, as you say, Sandra, encourage people to go go along and uh, and and have a look at that. I mean, Her, Her Majesty, you know, seventy years. It's quite extraordinary yes. if you if you just think back the changes she's seen oh over that period. Yeah. And, you know, Cayman, you know, starting back then with sort of the very sort of difficult beginnings, the seafaring routes, you know, the islands that sort of time forgot that, that people spoke about. But then you, you you look at that and compare it to what we are today. Um, you know, the, the, the hugely successful um, uh, country with, with, a, with a modern, professional, incredibly efficient financial services sector, uh, a world-beating tourism product. And of course, there are issues and challenges. Every country in the world has okay. issues and challenges. But but I often think these big sort of anniversaries just give you a, a, a chance, actually, just, just to step back from the day-to-day -day bustle and just think historically about the incredible progress that, um, that Cayman has made. And we've also come through, you know, two incredible years with this global pandemic and the with the earthquake and, and the, the Sahara dust storms and tropical storms, we've had we've had everything. So we you know we but we've come through it incredibly well. We, we've come through it very strongly, and we've had one of the best responses I think of anywhere in the world to to COVID. The you know the vaccines have really really helped us to keep the numbers of people who've sadly passed away to, to very very low numbers if you look internationally. So we put all that together and consider the Queen's life of service and the role that she has played, that she's touched millions of people's lives. Um, she's been a figurehead for, for the Commonwealth. She's probably been, you know, the foremost diplomat the UK has had in terms of relations between the UK and, 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 other, and other countries. Um, so I, I just think it's a time to really step back and try and be positive. We, we have a lot of negativity in our, in our sort of, 
uh, lives mm. and and day to day bustle. But these these are opportunities to step back and 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 just consider the enormous progress. So I see the connection just tripped out a little bit there. So that could be uh, related to weather, folks. I'm sure he'll pop back in here in a second. Um, the internet. Ah, right. So, <laughs> so Daisy's asking, so if there's no bad weather on Friday, will the air show still go on? So I think, Daisy, the short answer is no, um, only because the air show requires a certain degree of advanced planning. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the pilots, um, you know, need to <laughs> need to be able to get here yeah. and, uh, and be ready to um, to, you know, prepare for the stunts and so on. So, no, that, uh, that's it. All the, the bug yeah. on it. It, I mean that is, that is it because you 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 need they need to practice mm -hmm. the day before and uh, if with the weather being so bad and uh, mm -hmm. you just can't do it. and also the parachutists um, you know you you can't do that if the wind is at a certain certain level so there are a, a number of practical uh, problems with with that and we have to put safety first but the good news is that all those that were coming and um, you know I think we will have a combination of military and civilian aircraft i think it's going to be really exciting when it happens that those that are coming have, uh, have have sort of recommitted to some potential dates hopefully in june but i obviously have to leave that to the um the the, the, the cayman Islands civil aviation authority who are doing the the liaison on that but I, I think when it happens it will be a fantastic spectacle and i hope that this now can become a, a regular annual feature of of our calendar to have that air show that people uh -huh. love from 20 years ago to have that back and we're starting modestly but i think it can really build up into something very big and i and i want to help to get uk involvement in it um in in future years as well you have to plan them well in advance and book uh -huh. you, know, you can book the red arrows and you can book the 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 red devils who are the ones who parachute out of planes but you have to do that quite a long time in advance but if we do the bookings we can get them here and um I think it's it will be fabulous for our tourism industry. It'll be fabulous for the community, um, I, I, and I think really exciting to, that we can bring that back. Well, let's discuss uh, before the governor leaves some of the records that Queen Elizabeth II actually holds. So, not <laughs> only is she the head of the Commonwealth, defender of the faith, she is also the Queen of England and other Commonwealths, obviously, and she holds seven official uh, Guinness World Records. So, here we go. Um, the first one is longest reigning queen. So Queen Elizabeth II is the longest reigning queen of England of all times. As of September the 9th, 2015, uh, her reign exceeded that of her predecessor, which was Queen Victoria. She held the record before and uh, she ruled for, ruled for some 63 years, seven months and three days from June the 20th, 1837 to January the 22nd, 1901. So, of course, Queen Elizabeth was born on April the 21st, 1926, and took the throne on February the 6th, 1952, following the death of her father, um, King George, I think it was the 6th? Yes. Yeah. Um, and she's also the oldest British monarch, so now at the age of 93, um, you know, at the age of 86, she actually became, became officially the oldest British monarch in history, having surpassed King George III, who ruled from 1760 to 1820, and he died when he was 82 years old. She's also the oldest British queen. So again, she stole the title for the oldest <laughs> British queen back in 2007, 
when she surpassed um, the age of her great great grandmother, Queen Victoria, who again reigned until the age of 81 years and 244 days. She is also the oldest current monarch. So um, outside of the UK, there's still monarchs all over the world. And the queen is also the oldest current living monarch uh, previously until his death in 2005, his majesty King Abdullah, oh gosh, this name, bin Abdulazi Al Saud. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of Saudi Arabia had held the record previously and he died at the age of 90. Um, in 2020, on April the 21st for her birthday, when she turned uh, 94, um, she then became the oldest um, living uh, monarch. And her mother, Elizabeth Angela Marguerite uh, Lyon, known as the Queen Mother, died when she was 101. So she comes from a good line of, of women <laughs> who seem to live a very, very long time. Yes, yes. And um, she also holds the record for being on the most currencies that have featured the same individual's image. So the queen's face or profile, as the case may be, has appeared on coinage of at least 45 different countries. And that's more than any other living monarch as well. And she, uh, Queen Elizabeth before that appeared on coinage uh, of 21 countries and King George V appeared on 19. She is also, it says here, the wealthiest queen. So as of April Ooh. of 2012, <laughs> her estimated um, Sunday Times, according to the Sunday Times Rich List, Her Majesty the Queen was worth about $310 million, which is roughly, uh, that was in pounds, about $504 million in uh, U.S. dollars. Her vast wealth includes all sorts of things, collection of jewelry, fine art, property in England, Scotland, and so on. Um, that's her personal fortune. And of course, the largest finally parade of boats. So on June the 3rd of 2012, there was the Diamond Jubilee pageant that took place on the River Thames and celebrated the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, which was her 60th anniversary on the monarch. And uh, that was the largest parade parade of boats ever recorded. 670 boats out with several members of the royal family taking part. And again, that record was previously held uh, in Germany um, in 2011, where they had a 327 yeah. boat display. Amazing. Wow. wow. Yeah. Now that's, that's a lot of, a lot of um, very impressive facts and figures. No, thank you. And you know, she's just, I think for me, she's been a figure of continuity and stability over, yeah. over so long. Our politicians change uh, frequently. Um, you know, even in the UK, some people wish they'd change even more frequently. But the Queen has um, has has been there throughout, and and that and and she has provided that that strong sort of sense of of stability and tradition, which which I, I think is 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 good for our sort of constitutional system. And even today, we know very little about her own views on anything, actually, which is mm -hmm. quite extraordinary over over seventy over seventy years. And and that's because she's taken her constitutional role uh, okay. very very seriously indeed so a uh, quite extraordinary lady in her 97th year now so she, as you said she has slowed down a bit um uh, but she she i know she wants to be part of the the jubilee events the in the uk they they have uh, thursday and friday as the um as, as the holidays uh, whereas we're taking a, a long weekend on the friday and the and, and the monday so um, again I, I i hope that as many people as possible can come out and enjoy 
um, some of the events uh, despite the um, despite the weather. And I and I hope there's a really really good turnout for the Queen's birthday party and parade when hopefully the sun will be shining. All right, wonderful. So, Romelia is just um, saying good morning, Your Excellency. I've not had a meeting date from your assistant as yet, so I think the last time that you were in the program, Ms. Romelia called in. So, um, we'll see if we can follow up and get her that meeting date. Uh, DJ okay. Yo-Yo wants to talk about gas prices, so we'll do that right after that. We promised the governor we wouldn't keep him long this morning, <laughs> and he wanted to come on and just briefly speak about the um, Jubilee celebration. So, thank you so much, Governor, right. for your time today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I'm glad to see your show is going from strength to strength. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate Take it. care. Have a good Bye -bye. day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks, um, let's continue the show. So DJ Yo-Yo, yes, you've got some questions. We can certainly address those here in a second. Uh, since Yo-Yo's here, let's play a little promo from Yo-Yo himself. Thank you, man. Los saluda DJ Yo-Yo, The Energy. Y estás escuchando The Cold Heart Truth con la voz del pueblo, Sandra Hill, todas las mañanas, 7.30 AM, only on Bobo, in 9.1 FM. HSA, we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely. Avoid the wait and request your prescription refills through our website, WhatsApp, or by calling the pharmacy. Use our delivery service if you are vulnerable, elderly, or a civil servant, or pick them up the next day. Your secure health records are at your fingertips with our My HSA Patient Portal and Healthy Life app. Our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care simple and convenient because your time matters to us. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to the program. So let us continue the conversation. We have less than an hour left and we've got a lot of things that we need to be discussing. First of all, how about those gas prices that DJ Yo-Yo is talking about? OMG. This morning I had quite a few people send me this. Here's the latest, folks. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, this is the Esso. I don't know which location this is. I think this is Seven Mile. Uh, nonetheless, it's probably straight across the board around the island. So the Is that 5,000? And then it goes up to 8,000. I think that it's a little bit blurry on the... Um, the grade of, of fuel, but the cheaper grade is now $6.94. The more expensive grade, and you know, if you have certain certain luxury vehicles, they always tell you, oh yeah, put the 8,000 in there. Lord have mercy. Now it's going to cost you $7.13 per gallon. Ay, ay, ay. Diesel is at $6.20. So lucky you if you've got a diesel vehicle. I guess if you've got a um, hybrid vehicle, you could be saving a little bit of money. But these prices continue to go up. And there's a lot that's happening, quite frankly, in the world of, um, you know, just gas prices. We saw just, I think it was yesterday, the European Union has um, made some, some changes to ice out Russia again. I think they finally come to some sort of an agreement in terms of what they're going to do about their fuel reliance. Absolutely shocking. Ah, wow. Okay. So I'm uh, making American news as well. Millions of Americans who are traveling this weekend, this holiday weekend. So remember for them, Monday was Memorial Day. That was yesterday. And so a lot of people take this weekend as an opportunity to travel. A lot of people see this as sort of the precursor to the summer months and they start to travel and spend time with family and so on. 
So the national average for their gas prices has rose to a fresh record high of $4.62 a gallon on Monday, don't we wish? Um, and this is according to AAA. That's up a penny from Sunday and 44 cents more expensive than a month ago. So again, as the prices creep up for them, it will undoubtedly be creeping up for us as well. Um, last Memorial Day, so that was last year, they were averaging $3.05 a gallon. So now it's at $4.62, which is quite a significant jump. Some states are averaging $5 a gallon, mm -mm -mm. Uh, including Illinois, who is at $4.99, $4.996. They might as well just round that up to $5 show. Um, New York and Arizona are also just pennies away from hitting that milestone. And uh, there are no states where gas prices average less than $4.10 a gallon. Well, according to AAA, despite these high gas prices, an estimated 34.9 million people are going to be traveling by car this holiday weekend, which is up 4.6% from last year. Wow. And even when you make the adjustments for inflation, everyone says gas prices are very elevated. Wow. And here we are in Cayman. Um, it, it's a mess. You know, there's a number of factors that um, have impacted the pricing at this time. Disruptions caused by the war in Ukraine and the fact that the United States and OPEC are pumping less oil than before COVID-19. And here's another factor for them, a series of retirements. So U.S. refineries are having trouble keeping up with surging demand for gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. And I was reading something else recently that if you're planning to travel by air, it's probably not going to be any cheaper as it relates to um, traveling by car, in a way. Because tickets, airline tickets, are also being impacted, folks, by the cost of fuel. So everything is going up. As you know, fuel impacts, you know, everything that we do, the use of our electricity, the traveling, not just what we're putting in our gas tank, but air travel um, and other services as well, transport of goods around the world. Mm -mm -mm. What a hot mess. So who's feeling the pinch? I filled up, I think it was one day last week. Uh, what is today now? Today's Tuesday. So I filled up maybe Thursday or Friday. So I'm probably good at least for another week and a half. And I got to tell you that once these prices start to creep up, um, I don't drive a whole lot anyway. Like I'm not a person who just drives for the sake of driving. Like I have to be going somewhere, but, um, as the prices continue to creep up, I will probably, um, have some reservations about, you know, driving even more. So the ugly truth says the sad thing about fuel price here is that even after the prices plummet around the world, whenever that is, the prices won't drop in Cayman. Well, they certainly don't drop as quickly as they rise. That's for sure. I think they, they do drop um, somewhat, but it seems to, it seems like the increases always are fast and furious. And then the decreases are just uh, 
slow like a turtle. <laughs> like they really seem to take their time uh, with the decreases. So really, really interesting commentary there. Uh, give us a call, 936-2626. I'm, I'm curious to know how the gas prices are impacting you and your life in a real way. Uh, Damien says, don't you love corporation capitalism? Well, I, it's fair to say that it's, it's probably here to stay. Um, so the European Union, this is what they have been up to. So the EU's Russian oil ban, they say, is a big achievement, but the limits of Western unity will face further tests down the road. So the European Union uh, has come to an historic agreement to ban the vast majority of imports of Russian oil by the end of the year. And they say that without question, this is a major achievement. 27 countries, many of which have been utterly reliant on Russia's energy, to agree on a package that will include certain, uh, that will, sorry, a package that will certainly damage their own economies on behalf of Ukraine, a country that isn't even in the U U EU, was unthinkable even a few months ago. So this is what this um, article here is saying. The deal, however, does have some flaws that reveal the limitations of European unity and nod to headaches for the bloc further down the road. So first and foremost, the deal does not include oil that is imported via the Soviet-era Druzba pipeline to Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic. So Hungarian Prime Minister... Viktor Orban, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing any names, Vladimir Putin's key ally in the EU, started Monday by criticizing the EU's commission and calling it irresponsible for putting the economies of those countries at risk. He ended the day with a video message claiming that we have uh, managed to defeat the commission's proposal to ban the use of oil from Russia in Hungary. Needless to say, one uh, EU leader celebrating the defeat of an EU institution as a fly in the ointment um, for those claiming the deal was a triumph for European unity. So, you know, interesting, interesting definition of unity here. But in any event, um, it is still seen as quite an amazing feat. Europe is, um, you know, extremely reliant on Russian natural gas. And uh, so any, any sort of package that moves away from that can be said to be quite um, quite a feat. So there's still some stuff up in the air about Ukraine and whether or not they're going to join the EU, which ironically is what Vladimir Putin uh, claims that he was trying to prevent. And it looks like his war may actually push them more in that direction than the opposite. Lots of questions coming out of this. As we often say here on the program, what a hot mess. Um, so, you know, we haven't talked about Russia in a while, but obviously the war is um, still very much raging. And so we'll continue. Maybe we'll do an update um, later in the week or early next week because we've got a short week this week, actually. So this is a partial ban, folks, on Russian oil imports. This is according to the European Council, Chief Charles uh, Michel. And they have come to an agreement to ban the export of Russian oil to the European Union. This immediately covers more than two-thirds of oil imports from Russia, cutting a huge source of financing for its war machine. 
This was announced via tweet on Monday evening. Mm -hmm. So the announcement followed an extraordinary European Council summit attended uh, by EU leaders in Brussels on Monday to discuss a sixth package, uh, sixth package of sanctions against Russia. The sanctions include other hard-hitting measures such as de-swifting the largest Russian bank, Ooh. Huh. banning three more Russian state-owned broadcasters, sanctioning individuals responsible for war crimes in Ukraine. We saw just last week that the first war criminal was actually convicted and I think sentenced already, but he was definitely convicted. European Union agreed to ban 90% of Russian oil imports by the end of the year. This is what the council has reported. And the Russian oil delivered by tankers would be banned while an exemption will be in place for, again, that southern segment that we talked about that impacts those three countries. The northern segment of the pipeline serves Poland and Germany who have agreed to the embargo. And the southern part then goes to Hungary, uh, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic. So last year, the European uh, Union relied on Russia for 23% of its oil imports. And this is very, very interesting when we talk about reliance of on each other around the world. So folks, you know, we have in the Cayman Islands a huge reliance on foreign um, entities, everything from our food supplies to oil and other things. And because of the size of the Cayman Islands, it's really difficult to see how we could be entirely ever self-sufficient. I mean, it's just not practical. The cost of being self-sufficient, you'd be surprised exactly what's involved. But let's look at some of the countries based on this latest information um, that were actually most reliant on Russian oil. So at the very top, Germany. Hmm? Yes. So. And uh, Russian oil accounted for 29% of their total oil imports. They're number one. And then we had the Netherlands, 21%, Poland at 60%. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Poland was getting a lot of oil from Russia. Belgium was at 21%, France at, at 14%, Finland at 63%. Interesting. Italy at 12%, uh, Lithuania was at 74%. 5%, Spain, 9%, Greece was 19 and so on. So the list goes. And then we have, is that Malta that is at 100% reliance on um, Russian oil? Wow. That's crazy. Mm -mm -mm. So the southern segment that has been exempted from this only accounts for 10% of imports on Russian oil. So it's not really a whole lot when you think about the larger picture. So one statement that came out of this said, as we have a clear political statement by Poland and Germany that they will, as the others, wind down Russian oil until the end of the year, we have covered, we have, we have covered overall 90% of Russian oil being wound down uh, during this time frame, the leftover is around about 10 or 11% that is covered by this southern um, pipeline. And they've agreed at the moment for this exemption to be put in place for that part of it. 
They're planning on meeting again today in Brussels to discuss the uh, bloc's response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Officials first proposed joining the U.S., and others in banning Russian oil a month ago as part of a sixth package of EU sanctions over the country's invasion of Ukraine, but an agreement uh, has been made, sorry, has been held up by some countries, and I think we just talked about some of those, but like Hungary, that are particularly reliant on Russian crude delivered via pipeline. So an EU official told um, news agencies that banning all seaborne oil would cover more than two-thirds of imports from Russia. So turns out that Europe is the biggest buyer of Russian energy. Russian crude accounts for some 27% of the bloc's imports in 2020, according to Eurostat, and that's more than 2.4 million million barrels per day. And that data comes from the International Energy Agency. Uh, 35% of that was delivered via pipelines, according to the IEA. Mm -mm -mm. Pipeline deliveries made up a much bigger share of Russian oil shipments to Hungary at 86%, Czech Republic at 97%, and Slovakia at 100%. So the price of um, the Brent crude futures, which is a European benchmark, soared passed $124 a barrel on Tuesday morning. It's the highest level since early March after the invasion of Ukraine began. Folks, I think what this means for us, and I know some people are like, why do I care about what's happening in the European? Yeah, you should care because all of these things have a trickle-down effect. Um, and if they're not going to be relying on, on Russian oil anymore, they're going to be getting it from other places, which could could potentially be, um, you know, impacting our supply uh, in, you know, the areas that we're getting it from on this side of the world. So you got to keep an eye, folks, on what is happening elsewhere so that you can uh, be well informed and anticipate what's going to be next. Pretty crazy. So good morning. Um, Ms. Romilia is asking about the tea party. Yes, you're able to go to the um, the event. I think the governor said it's open starting with the parade at five o'clock. Good morning to Mr. Stanley. He says, good morning, uh, Mrs. Hill and His Excellency. He's, 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 he has since left the building, the virtual building. Thank you for expressing such impressive facts um, on our queen, her majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. Long may she reign, and she has. She's broken all sorts of amazing records. Janetta, good morning. So we all soon have to be um, hitting Uncle Bill's and Kirk Center to buy bicycles. Um, I saw a little meme yesterday with one of the, um, like the little scooter things where you scoot it with your foot. Somebody was on, on one of those. Um, child, we will have to find ways to, to cope, really. And um, you know what, though? There might be a silver lining in all of this. Those of you who have um, household with multiple vehicles, because of the costs now filling up those vehicles, you might be prompted to start carpooling with each other and to find more creative ways of getting around. Because I find that a lot of times you don't need two vehicles, but because you have two vehicles, you use them anyway. Like sometimes we're literally going to the same event. It's like, oh, I'll come later than you and I'll drive. Nope. Now it's like, honey, we can't afford to waste any gas. Jump in, let's coordinate our schedules, carpools and neighborhoods. You know, if you all work, if you got five people, 
that all of you work for government in your neighborhood, get it together now. Make a plan. You can all carpool into work together. I would like to see the shuttle system come back in Central Town, where it was picking people up and then shuttling, shuttling them around um, Central Town and kind of in that Georgetown quadrant so that they could run some errands and stuff. I thought that was fantastic. So Mr. Lean says these prices will affect the public transportation system. Seriously, the bus fare is now at $2. And there's an announcement coming uh, a bit later on. Mm, maybe today I can tell you guys a little bit more about it. Um, as you know, I'm in court all day again today, probably. And that is impacting my ability to work on some of these additional stories. So, you know, Renee does a fantastic job, but Renee is not physically here in the Cayman Islands. So there's certain things that have a local element, or if I have a certain inside sus, you know, she's not going to be aware of it. So Soka's here to correct me on my Putin, Putin, Putin um, <laughs> pronunciation again. I think I'm doing like a long Putin versus Putin. Um, but yes, uh, the way that I'm supposed to remember it is it's very close to the Spanish word puta. Puta and, Put and Putin. So if I remember Puta, the Putin is a Puta. I should be able to pronounce it correctly. That's the only way I can remember it. It's, it's like in my head wrong and I can't seem to change that. So there you go. So you have to forgive me. DJ Yo-Yo says the fact that we as a society don't really speak up and just accept and take all kinds of heat that is being thrown down um, at us. Prices don't go down. As fast as they go up, it'll not change until the people say no more and start doing mass protests and blockages as they do in other countries. Well, the problem with that, um, DJ Yo-Yo, we saw some um, recent you know, protests in Jamaica, for example. They had a strike at the airport and all this kind of stuff. That was in relation to some labor wages. But I must tell you that when, when people strike in relation to inflation and prices, I don't see it ever changing because most of the pricing is beyond our control. Like, here's the thing. I, I was just talking to you about what's happening in Europe. Uh, you know, this war in Russia and Ukraine, they're, you know, warring and this has been going on a lot longer than Russia had anticipated. He's being encouraged to have conversations directly with Ukraine. Um, you know, but that just hasn't happened. And uh, these are the types of things that impact all of us and that impact the cost of everything, uh, you know, or food supply chains and everything else that is, um, you know, that is going up. So I don't know, you know, a local protest, how much is that going to accomplish when your local government just needs to be honest with you and say, this is something that we have no control over. We can't control the price of imports. And then the other thing that they, I guess what they do have control of over is the duty that they place on oil, uh, whatever that dutable rate is. But if you say to the government, right, we want you to cut what you're making um, and the duty that people pay on this, which could translate to some savings for consumers, where are they going to get money from? Because then you're looking at government doing what? Running into a deficit? And that's going to impact your life in some other way. So I think we have to really recognize, um, you know, that when it comes to economics, um, and we need to have an economist back on the show to break some of these things down for us, there's always this knock-on effect. And it's just not as simple as people think. It really, really isn't. Damien, 
So many of those countries are using ghost tankers and fake manifestos. It's all about profits and not humanity. They're using the Ukraine war to fool you, to fool you into what? Um, so wheat and sugar, we already saw last week, we talked about India putting an embargo on the export of some of those items as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Damien says, we shall be hearing about new and improved updates or public transport system. Yes, it's coming. And can the banks work with loans to go to solar power panels? The banks are already doing that. So that is something that the banks have been I think very, very good with Um, practically any homeowner. If you qualify for a loan, they do offer um, solar options that you can get a solar loan and it's pretty um, straightforward. And I think you even get preferential treatment because um, you know, it is a a solar uh, option, which is uh, better for the environment and also a cheaper alternative providing you get enough sun. Because like a week like this, or even last week, we had cloud coverage. The entire week, there was uh, the Saharan death storm. So we unfortunately did not get, you know, much um, sunshine. How does that impact your ability to um, use a solar product? So these are some of the things that you got to think about, y'all. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. go to, go a little bit deeper than the obvious. So DJ Yo-Yo says he might have to look at a scooter soon. So did you guys hear about this accident last night? This happened in the area of um, Newlands, uh, not Newlands, Lower Valley. And uh, it was probably the first message we got was, uh, I want to say, uh, maybe after eight o'clock or so. So we haven't gotten an update on the condition of this individuals yet. So I can't really say um, how they're doing, but I do know that this was a very, very serious accident. And I can't for the world of me, understand so this was at 823 someone sent me a message say, said hearing bad accident in savannah one fatality breadfruit walk i always thought breadfruit walk was in town for some reason but apparently it's in the savannah area so let me show you the observations that i made on the scene because it's not too far from where i'm at so i actually went out there just to see the tow truck coming and taking the vehicle away so have a look at this So we see the, it's a Honda, uh, forgive me, I have no clue the type of Honda, but it's a Honda vehicle and they're putting it on the tow truck. And as you can see, that Honda vehicle collided with that wall. And let me assure you that that wall has been hit more than one time, a little bit further up. It was just hit a couple months ago. And now it was hit again on this portion of the wall, but this portion of the wall did not budge not even a crack in it. So that that wall is solid, reinforced with some kind of special, uh, you know, concrete and steel beams, child. Look at, look at this, look at the vehicle. Let me just back up here. So we had the entire front, the bumper's gone. The hood is all smashed up. 
the um, windshield smashed up. You can't see it from here because the police were obviously right there while they were pulling um, the vehicle up. But on the other side, so look at that part right there. Let me just back up this video just slightly. So there is the, um, the hold on a second now, the fender, right? A tire. Look at how crazy this is. An actual tire came off completely. The license plate is in the tire. Do you see part of the plate right there? And there's little Honda front part of the fender. That's also there. And then tire fender, keep watching because you're going to see the tow truck guy start to pick up all these parts. And what I didn't realize that's also in that photo is the door. Here, here he is. He picks up the tire that has the license plate and everything in it. He already had picked up the fender. There the fender is right next to it. And here he now starts to look at, look at that. That's the entire door. OMG. How do y'all have these accidents? I am every single time I am just shocked and flabbergasted by how this happens. So this poor police officer has his little broom in hand and here he is trying to sweep up the debris out of the roadway because of course, What's going to end up happening now is that debris is going to, um, if it stays in the roadway, could potentially cause damage to other vehicle vehicles or cyclists or, you know, even um, pedestrians walking in the street. So cleanup after an accident is really, really important. And this poor guy, kudos to him. He works for Toking, the uh, tow company here, and he is having to not just secure the the vehicle. On the um, on the back of the tow truck, the bed there, but also pick up all of the other bits and pieces to carry it away. So I've not heard the condition of this individual. I heard he was trapped in the car, but I don't think uh, that he's actually dead because I must tell you that if he was dead, we probably would have gotten a confirmation of that by now. So um, th this piece... Any mechanics in the house? What is that that he just picked up? See this big, heavy um, thing that has that kind of pole sticking out of it? What is that? Is that like part of the engine? It was heavy because when he put it up there, it went clunk. And I could literally hear it. I was like, what part of the car is that that fell out? So crazy. But you guys have been keeping the tow companies busy. And in business, uh, you've been keeping the morgues busy and in business. I want to talk about that here in a second because I'm really a bit disappointed in how we are taking, somebody says that's the shifter. What? Oh, my God. That's the whole shifter? You know what? It could be, but it's heavy. Like it made this heavy metal clunking, so I guess... It's whatever the shifter, like the whole thing, whatever it's attached to, is not just a little stick, but maybe you're right. The shifting gear. Oh, my God. Hmm. Entirely possible. But, you know, we just had a fatality on our roadways, folks, and I am very, very disappointed to see that the individual who was involved in that um, actually is on social media living their best life as though nothing has happened. I, I just, oh God, it's so, it's so disturbing. 
Um, absolutely disgusting. Ugh. I, 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 All right, so here's this um, young man. Um, he posted this photo yesterday. No degree of sensitivity whatsoever. I mean, if I had just been involved in a road fatality where I was drinking and probably at fault for the accident, the poor guy from Kenya has lost his life. He leaves behind a wife. I don't know if he has any children, 41 years old, Mr. Ali. And um, the last thing that I would be out doing is posting on social media a post like this that says back to it, a little dollar sign with wings on it. Can't li let life fold. Yeah. Just get back up swinging. What? Who, who, who's related to this guy? Any, anybody, family members out there? Can you tell him that this is the kind of thing that the court needs to see, right? The DPP's office, y'all need to be paying attention. Because when um, Hunter Ebanks now shows up to court, 24 years old, you need to, the judge needs to hear how nonchalant he is days, not even a frigging week, days after taking somebody's life, here you are posting foolishness about back to it, a dollar sign with little wings on it, can't li let life fold you. Can I tell you how pissed off this makes me? Because... You have done more, Hunter, than folding somebody's life. You've ended the life of a 41-year-old Kenyan uh, man here who had a family. Um, he's been working at the Ritz at least since 2013. Anwar Ali Bakari Abdurrahman. Apologies if I didn't get that last one right. Um, he's, he's killed. He's dead. And you're talking about can't let life fold you? Now, y'all know that we have a jackass of the day, right? And someone said to me yesterday, can we start doing like annual uh, award ceremony for the jackasses of the day? Where maybe we pick one who made it for the jackass of the year. And I'm really thinking of all the jackasses in the past year. Hunter might actually be the one to get that award of being jackass of the year, of the Maybe even in the century. This is just so unbelievable. So insensitive. Oh, great. You still have your life. You don't even look like you got a scratch. And you have the audacity to be posting on social media that your life is just honkadori. You're out there chasing money and you're back to work on a boat because he works for um, a, a boating company. You're lucky that you have a job. You're lucky that you have your life. You know, I'm just so disgusted and really, really disappointed. I do not know this young man, but I think anyone with a little bit of common sense who does not see the insensitivity of this type of post on your social media account, something really must be wrong with you. And we know something's wrong with you because you just had a DUI, you just got your license back and you had such little regard um, for the laws of this country, that as soon as you got your license back, you are drinking and driving again after having lost it for the exact same thing.
Now, Hunter has three children, three young children. He's probably not all that concerned about them either. Mm -mm. Uh, Binks uh, Vega says he is Sikawa. I don't know. Marshall says the devil is related to him. Soka says, OMG, how despicable. Shame on him. Cameron agrees. Unbelievable how shameful. Damien says he should be fired. You know, somebody, someone is having some regard for probably more his children than him, keeping him employed until he has this court date and whatever. And instead of him just keeping a low profile, even if he has no real remorse, which obviously he doesn't, don't rub it in. Don't post it on social media and make it obvious that you are that kind of a jackass. Sometimes you know that you're a jackass and you just keep it to yourself. You don't have to let the whole world know. Uh, DJ Yo-Yo says, I don't get how people drive here on Saturday morning after coming for my weekly club gig. I witnessed an accident at Amelia's Kitchen on Crew Road again after Jose's gas station. Light poles out, no light in the area. Damage on the property. I just don't get it. These days you have 10 eyeballs all over you when driving. And speaking of that, there were two accidents this morning. One was on the um, Newlands Bypass, just as the show was starting. That looks like at least three vehicles potentially involved. And then there was um, another one by Will T Drive involving a little minibus. Oh, my God. How hard can it be? I've said it before. We have two roads pretty much on this island, two main roads. Right? And you guys are out there just driving so recklessly. Oh, it's just unbelievable. And you know, the second it rains and the roads are a little bit more wet, um, we're going to have double the number of accidents. So Stanley says, Sandy, the traffic madness is not going to slow up um, until a chief implement a professional certified highway patrol unit at least 12 speed cops and motorbikes remove these lunatics off of our road and there's nothing scientific about it. Well, I think before we even get to that, Stanley, there has to be some legislative changes and that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. So we have to be willing to um, penalize people who are caught with a DUI more than just taking away their um, driver's licenses because let me tell you, I sit in court all the time and I see people who not only have had their licenses taken away, um, but they will have their licenses taken away and they'll continue to drive. And then they still show up to court and the judge is like, you again? Now, after a certain amount of time, they will send you to jail for that type of offense, but it takes a while to get there. And in the meantime, these individuals who are uh, so flagrant about the um, driving whilst intoxicated laws in this country are running around like a bunch of fools and they are causing accidents and causing people to lose their lives on the roadway. So this government wants to change a few things legislatively, I've been told, by well-placed sources. The first thing they want to do is to increase the penalty for anyone who is caught with a DUI. Because right now, like I said, the most that's going to happen to you is you're going to lose your license. This is if nobody's killed. You're going to lose your license and um, you're going to have a fine to pay and that's it. And, you know, the fine is, is 
minimal. In addition to that, the DUI uh, level, the over the, the, the um, what's it called, over the limit level for this jurisdiction seems to be a little bit too high. So it needs to be adjusted. So I'm talking here about traffic act amendments that are going to significantly tighten up the noose on people who are involved in driving whilst under the influence. Cut the legal blood alcohol level by 50%. My sources, I, I put in a request from the RCAPS for additional information, but we've already had eight deaths in less than six months. And that's that, and that is um, people who had twice the normal rate of, sorry, that is twice the normal rate of um, road deaths. And again, this seems to be an unacceptable position given the size of this country in the roads. But who's, who's with me on this, folks? Can I get just an amen up in here? So someone says, as the saying goes, you're preaching to the choir and congregation. However, those outside the CMR loop are not hearing the message about speeding, dangerous driving, and or drinking and driving. Well, we have um, a significant reach on social media, and I think we need to start uh, putting these messages back out there. Someone said there was also an accident this morning on the Lidford Pearson Highway. <laughs> so that's three accidents so far for the day, and it's not even 10 o'clock in the morning, y'all. Mm-mm-mm. What a thing. I tell you. I I don't even know what to say. Wow. Um, someone else mentioned said, good morning, another informative show with Health City, Cayman Islands. I'm learning so much from these segments. I need to fix things so I can say good morning as I used to. Now I am a Bobo listener as opposed to a Facebook viewer. Also the story of the fool who was just given a prison term for sexually assaulting an eight-year-old. Did he work at Fidelity Bank because he is posing in front of a Fidelity sign? In any event, I think the sign should have been blurred out. So no, he was actually receiving some sort of a reward, like a check or something that he'd won a number of years ago from them. So he was not employed there. And we did as much blurring as we could um, with that photo. The, the skill of blurring is that I'm not a Photoshopping expert and I'm actually the one who put up the, the picture. So that was the best that I could do. Um, right. Mm -mm. Hmm. Um, so let me just see. We've got a few more minutes left in the program. I see that someone has just sent me a PDF. Of course, I don't know what it is. I need to have a look. Uh, now let, let's just, um, Briefly discuss the situation. So, Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Rita. So, we got some amens in the house. Shirley says amen. Stanley says amen. So, people are saying, yep, we're in agreement. Wee wee, uh, Rita. Damien says two drinks can make your um, ABL go to 0.10. Um, listen, Damien, you've got options. 
call a friend. Remember who wants to be a millionaire? You can call a friend, call a friend, call a taxi, call somebody else. Uh, you know, every single vehicle in my mind should now have some sort of breathalyzer device, just like they have a um, seatbelt. Because, you know, your, your blood alcohol level can vary depending on a number of different factors. When are we going to get to vehicles that won't let you drive if you blow a certain level? Like that, to me, that, listen. Is it too much to ask vehicle manufacturers to start considering adding some of these safety features? Just like a seatbelt is a run-of-the-mill safety feature now. At one point in time, they didn't want to install seatbelts because the cost of doing so was significant to the manufacturers of vehicles. And so, um, you know, that obviously changed over time. Scott says the, the list of countries in which you can switch your license for a fee needs to be shortened. I think everyone should do a road test before obtaining a license here in the Cayman Islands because despite our roads being relatively small. And like I said, there's only really two roads. There are some unique features to driving in the Cayman Islands that if you've driven in other countries, you may not be familiar with. So, you know, I didn't learn to drive in this jurisdiction. I grew up in the U.S. I got my license. I did driver's education when I was in high school. Learned all the road rules of that country. And I got my license there in that jurisdiction as well for years and then I moved back here. The concept of roundabouts was really bizarre to me because we don't really have roundabouts where I lived in the States. So, you know, even for me, I would not have had an issue having to take a road test here. But mind you now, I can parallel park and I've seen some of y'all driving here who, ooh, honey, chill. Y'all never had to learn how to parallel park. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-mm-mm. Can't parallel park to save their lives. Damon says he's sure some UK human rights is going to come into that somewhere. I don't think so. Because our, our limits are below what most uh, modern societies actually use. I'm going to put up a poll on the website so we can get it done. Ay, ay, ay. All right, let's talk about safety of your children here for a brief second. Um, someone has sent me an employment contract for the port. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Mm-mm. What a mess. Uh huh. Letter of employment for port worker. Hmm. We're not finished with the port yet. We'll get to that. Thank you for that contract. I'll have to review it and see what stands out, if anything. Boy, we got some sources. They be blaming all the wrong people. Oh, this one must be leaking information to my road. Y'all don't have a clue, honey chill. He gets it left under the doormat. I wouldn't say technically not on the car yet, but all over the place. 
They've taken their time, get me this audit report because they want to redact all sorts of stuff. Poor them. They don't know. They don't know. My eyes are already getting locked on that. Hey, Carol, how are you doing? What time is it in the UK now? It's 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. Is it 4 o'clock? She says, from the UK, we have massive roundabouts with traffic lights on them and speed cameras that actually work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan, people are better stocking up before um, hurricane season. Yes, um, hurricane season officially begins tomorrow. And tomorrow's program, we're going to have some guests on talking about that. And we also have the Minister of Transport uh, and Tourism who's going to be joining the program tomorrow as well. Folks, protect your children. Here's a man. Um, he is 25 years old, and he has been convicted of doing something very inappropriate with an eight-year-old child. He doesn't even know the child. This is how bold he was. He was just staying in an area where the child was. My God, thank God the child told other people after the incident, and now he's going to be spending some three years well, 60%, you know the math already, in jail. Mm, mm, mm. His name is DeAnthony Russell, a man from Georgetown. And they say he's at medium risk for reoffending when it comes to sexual offenses. So ensure that you put him on your list of uh, definitely the kind of person you don't want your kids anywhere near. Thank you for tuning in, folks. You guys have a lovely day. We got to sign off just in time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels. And visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 